1: Last night, we talked a little bit about this. There's a poll that was produced by the Southern Poverty Law Center and another organization. They teamed up on it. In it, they find that young men of both political parties think feminism has done more harm than good. Hmm. And that's fascinating. I also thought it was interesting that this this uh, uh, study, survey comes out around the same time as the Daily Wire's What is a Woman? Where we're basically learning that a lot of these ideas are becoming extremely unpopular even among young Democrats. So today, we're going to talk a whole lot about modern feminism, where it's at, why young men feel this way. We're going to talk about the ideas presented in What is a Woman from the Daily Wire. We've got uh, the top psychologists talking about how half of their patients are trans kids. Mm. And uh, we'll explore modern feminism and why people are so angry about it. And I want to talk about families because we've got this article talking about how it's time to have Tamagotchi children, that mean they're talking about young people who shouldn't have kids, probably because of climate change, should have robo-AI children instead, which is just very, very creepy. But I think it'll be fun. So Friday night, we're going to talk about a lot of really important ideas. And joining us to discuss this is Dr. Chloe Carmichael. Hi. Would you like to introduce
0: yourself? Sure. So I'm Dr. Chloe Carmichael, clinical psychologist and author of Nervous Energy, Harness the Power of Your Anxiety, and Dr. Chloe's Ten Commandments of Dating. I was a yoga teacher before I was a psychologist, and I'm also a wife and a mom. Hmm.
1: All right. Well, we have a clinical psych- clinical psychologist to talk to us about what it means to be a woman and uh, all those other things. So thank you for joining. My pleasure. We got Seamus. Got another expert
2: here. I'm a cartoonist. Um, so I run a YouTube channel called Freedom Tunes. We just uploaded a video. Like, was any of that... We just uploaded a video like uh, two days ago, that or yesterday, that I think you guys will really enjoy, and uh, we've got a website, freedomtunes.com. If you want to become a member there, five bucks a month, you'll get extra cartoons every month, an extra cartoon a week, and then behind-the-scenes stuff as well.
3: Hey, guys. Ian Crossland in the house. What's up? Uh, I watched about 30 minutes of What is a Woman so far. I'm really excited to talk about <laughs> what 30? I've seen. Yeah, not yet. I, I, I launched into it about 6.30. Mm. Um and I want to talk to you a little bit about your book. Well, hopefully more than a little bit about your book, Chloe, because I, I wonder how to how to harness that nervous energy myself sometimes. Maybe we can get down on that later.
0: Sounds good. Yeah.
4: And I am also here in the corner pushing buttons, trying to adjust all the volumes properly for all my guests. Thank you very much for joining us tonight, Chloe. I'm very excited to learn what a woman is. I did watch a documentary, but they were not big on answers. So we'll hopefully Well,
1: get Matt to Walsh that. was.
4: Yeah, he sure was.
1: Also, head over to TimCast.com. Become a member and help support our work. We have members-only segments Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m. And uh, we talked about this yesterday when Tyler Fisher, who was on the show, made the joke. I said I would ask someone what is an assault weapon. And he goes, that's the next documentary that The Daily Wire should do. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, that's us. We're doing that. And so I'm talking with Forrest Cooper. uh, He's been a guest on the show several times. He hit me up, and he was like, yeah, no, for real, let's do it. I'm like, yes, we are going to do a documentary on gun control, gun rights, what is an assault weapon is the is the working title, I suppose. We're doing it. It's happening. And I think it's really fascinating, too, if you look back at the history of gun control legislation and things like that. So with your support, these are the kind of projects that we're going to be working on. So don't forget to smash that like button. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show with your friends. Let's jump into that first story. We got this one from The Daily Caller. poll. young men of both political parties think feminism does more harm than good. Sounds, it, is, it sounds like toxic masculinity to me, Tim. You're right, except Republican women of all ages also really don't like it. Interesting. Mm. Well, but hold on. What is a Republican woman? Well, I suppose if we're talking about identities, a Republican woman is a Republican adult human female. Mm. Sounds like circular logic. But a Democrat woman could be something totally different.
2: Well, because now that, I mean, look, look. Obviously, we have wonderful progress in this era where a word can mean whatever you want it to mean instead of what it actually means. And so maybe it's the case, unfortunately, (laughs) that there's a negative side effect here where... Men are just saying that they're women, disguising themselves as women,
1: and then telling these pollsters feminism is bad to make us think women oppose it. What if these are Democrat, what if these are Republican men who don't realize because they identify as Democrats oh, yeah. that they're not really Ooh. Democrats? That's probably it. I actually We're think, not really men. I actually think that's an argument they would entertain. <laughs> They're like, well, if a Democrat men says he hates feminism, he's actually a conservative. There you go. Yeah, so yeah, he's exactly. just wrongly identifying.
3: My biggest problem with it is that the definition of feminism has changed over the years. There's actually four to five waves of feminism. My mother was raised; she raised me kind of as like a second wave feminist, where it was about equality of opportunity for every person. Didn't really matter what your gender was, and that was basically it it was never like talking down to men it never was about making men cuz i used to ask it like as a question well, as a kid does that mean men are bad does it mean women are better and she said no no it's, there's, all, it's about I, equality I of, of opportunity for these people
1: first wave feminism was the we should get to vote right that Yeah. like we should have and second wave feminism was that no more firm open palm slaps on the behind from men in the workplace kind of stuff like essentially like equality in the workplace you know you that 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 I don't know, 1950s era smoking, you know, guys smoking, like, come here, babe. Mm-hmm. That stuff's out. The sexual revolution, I think being birth control. Being able to get credit
0: cards and bank accounts, things like that in the 70s, 60s. That's fascinating, though. Tell mm-hmm. me about that. Well, it used to be were- that uh, women used to have a harder time with that kind of thing, um, you know, being able to get mortgages and bank accounts and things. So, you know, when like the Equ- Equal Rights Act and everything was able to help us with that
1: well so but do you know why that was was it was it like men at banks were like babe you think i'm giving you a loan never gonna happen yeah get out of here i i
0: think think that that that
1: was the 20s though by the way in in the 70s they were hippies right yeah
0: i i think that it was you know just previously not illegal to discriminate against somebody Mm -hmm. because of their sex and so you know maybe for whatever reason banks just said you know well maybe as a woman you're going to have a baby and not pay your loan back or whatever it was for whatever reason. They just didn't tend to extend credit to women.
1: I think, you know, it probably was the woman would go in to get a credit card and they would say, and is your husband okay with this? And when they were like, my husband doesn't matter. They'd say, well, he pays the bills, doesn't he? So, you know, before women were as prominent in the workplace or in higher positions, they probably just said, you're, you have lower credit just inherently by not doing these jobs. Mm.
0: Sure. Could be.
1: Looking up well, this is this is the kind of feminism that most people are like, yeah, that's cool. You know, like, you shouldn't discriminate on these ba- – like, it should be your job. It should be your actual credit, not – you know, you got boobs. You can't have a credit card. That seems, like, arbitrary. <laughs> the but Equal Pay these, these, Act,
3: that's from 1963, signed by Kennedy. I haven't looked too deeply into how it's uh, read, but the Equal Pay Act, it's a labor law. Prohibits gender-based wage discrimination. I feel like
1: that was made redundant by the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Could have been. Maybe yeah. a
3: precursor to that.
1: Yeah. So now, feminism, you know, probably the reason young men don't like it is that modern feminism is, is what, a catch-all term for basically all sorts of weird bigotry, discrimination, rage... Mm-hmm. Even violence?
2: I think even from the get-go, though, when there were arguments to be made that women were being treated unfairly in certain respects, the feminist movement was still mostly pushing for the, so to speak, privileges men had rather than the responsibilities even at that time. So, for example, uh, women couldn't vote. They also couldn't be drafted. Part of why many women didn't want the right to vote at that time is because they thought it was going to come along with a duty to be drafted, which feminists at that time did not argue for while they were arguing for the vote. So you're saying women should be drafted? Well, no. My point is that I think part of the issue is even from the beginning when we're discussing legitimate issues, feminists were more or less. They were saying men and women are equal and should be treated equally in every respect, but then they would conveniently ignore the responsibilities men had, which women didn't, and not pursue equality there.
0: Yeah, with rights come responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked it up to also just to clarify. It was 1974, the Equal Credit Opportunity Act uh, to prohibit credit discrimination on gender.
1: Wow. Well, what's your what's your view? You're the the clinical psychologist here. I'm curious what your thoughts are on modern feminism.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a it's such a loaded issue, right? Um, I mean, I think Tim that probably I kind of go with you, and in, in the sense that I'm obviously for equal rights for everybody, um, but I think a lot of women actually kind of want the right to be more traditional, the the right to be able to be respected as a woman to be able to recognize that homemaking and housewifery and raising babies that those things actually really matter and you know girls getting kind of pushed into this stuff um under the guise of girl power is sometimes not quite so empowering. Also as a boy mom myself, meaning I'm a mom to a son, um, I, I think also some of this, you know, girl power stuff has actually gone a little bit too far to the point where it's hurting boys, which is actually also hurting girls, you know, to the point where girls don't want to date weak men. Mm-hmm. But that's unfortunately what some of this like over-the-top girl power stuff seems to be doing. You say it hurts
3: it, boys. Like, What's an example of that that you've seen?
0: Well, I mean, so if, if we are praising and, and helping girls to the point where, for example, girls are outpacing boys when it comes to college graduation or... Or graduate school girls are actually also paid more than boys now on average upon graduation from college. So, I mean, these are just, um, a few examples, but obviously also boy suicide rate is, is much higher, um, and, and other types of problems. And so when we're, you know, just still, for whatever reason, still focusing on, you know more federal dollars to help girls in school when, in fact, it's boys who have a literacy crisis. Um, so anyway, all of the focus on girls, um, I think, is kind of um, a little bit superfluous at this point.
1: Well, this sounds like really good news for young Chads, right? If the average man is making less money than the women, they're basically out of the out of the dating pool, and then the very small proportion of Chad young millennial, you know, Gen Z men. are making all the money get all the women you and you see the problem well you see this all the time whenever there's some
2: twitter thread that goes viral about someone who's using tinder and she finds a guy that she likes and she swipes on him and then finds out he's been talking to 20 other girls it's like well that's because you swiped on like 99 guys swiped on that one guy and it was the same thing for all the other girls so he just had a bunch of options that's what ends up happening when the monogamous Mm. social standards break down. But also, I I agree with what you're saying. I think it's very interesting because you'll have these nebulous campaigns about how girls are called bossy more often, which isn't really something we can test for, have statistics on, and yet we ignore the fact that boys are put on. That's an argument, yeah, but it's there was a whole campaign, ban bossy, right? And we were told that we should all kind of like hang our heads in shame because when girls are assertive, they're told they're bossy. And no one at the same time will talk about the fact that Boys are more likely to be prescribed ADHD medicine. In school they are literally chemically altered because our public educational system is failing them and no one seems to consider it well, an issue.
1: They also we're also chemically altering young girls with birth control on mass. Agree, and I well I think that's a problem as well. Hormonal birth control causes I've, problems that no one's willing to acknowledge. I've never experienced a work environment where people have complained about a female who is bossy. Like I've never I I've heard the argument Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton
3: Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
1: But I've never been in an environment where I'm like at lunch and someone's like, man, that Janet's so bossy. I've just, it's never happened. I've heard people be like, my boss is a dick. And I'd be like, who's your boss? It's John. I'm like, oh. Hmm. Or, or like, who's Janet Or it's matter. Janet. Like, yeah, she's I don't chair. like my boss. <laughs> Janet could be a that? dick too, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's just, most people don't like their bosses. Mm-hmm. You know? I just—it's a—it's a weird thing. That's like—I wonder if that is in and itself sexism. These assumptions, yeah. Well, the, no, the it assumption is. of victimhood. The assumption. He, I'll tell—I'll tell you something else, man. I was talking to this guy who produces documentaries, and we were talking about this issue, and he was like—he told me he was like my experience was that whenever we would have pitch meetings, the women in the meeting room would be giving us stupid ideas and then everyone would be getting really frustrated and annoyed with these really dumb ideas. And then she would complain that no one takes her opinion seriously because she's a woman. And we try to explain to her, no, it's because your ideas are dumb, but she took it to the female place instead of the bad at her job place. And you know what it was? Because she was brought into the room because she was a woman because they needed diversity.
0: It's true. That can happen. And then also because women can sometimes be more sensitive to criticism, right? And, and if you do criticize that woman's ideas in the boardroom, then, you know, you can get this big reaction of like, you know, well, You know, you're, you're undermining me because I'm a woman or you're not taking me seriously because I'm a woman. And, you know, what they're doing, unfortunately, then is depriving themselves of the chance to have real, honest feedback and collaboration and even to, you know, engage and spar and develop and improve because they're bringing it all, you know, to being a woman. And so then nobody does comment. Nobody wants to say anything unless it's going to be really, you know, nicey nice. And then they wonder why nobody ultimately goes forward with those ideas.
1: Yep. I think when you have when you have uh what's the quota filled roles mm. really? you're going to see a lot more of this where people who are minorities or women are going to feel like there's racism i mean maybe that's maybe that's the goal maybe maybe many of these activists want to create this by putting people who are unskilled in positions they're not qualified for mm. so that they feel inadequate constantly and then the person can come in and say oh that feeling racism well
2: and we have to understand this is a very very serious problem because I, whenever we talk about the idea of like marginalized communities whether you're talking about you know the the alphabet people or you're you're talking about people who are you know minorities because of their ethnic group in this country the most serious problem i think is the breakdown of the relationship between men and women because that is the most fundamentally important social relationship that exists men are supposed to open pickle jars
5: That's and women
1: right. have babies. The rules. well
2: but no i mean we people will talk about like sexism homophobia etc and i think with sexism unfortunately whenever there are issues that are addressed with the relationship between the sexes it's always in one direction the conversation can only ever be women are being treated unfairly and men are bad. And what's interesting about that is there's actually kind of a kernel of traditionalism and natural law in that because people recognize that it is the role of men to protect women and to care for women and to provide for them. And so it's sort of bizarre because we have this concoction where we're told that men and women are exactly equal, but also men still have to fulfill this traditional role of being the one who cares for her and protects her
0: and who is tough and has a thick skin. Like remember mm-hmm. that right. Amber Heard tape where she's like, tell him, Johnny, tell him that, you know, that you were abused, you know? And, and she's just like, you know, going, see who believes you. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And then nobody mm. talks about toxic femininity, of course, mm, you know, but, but toxic masculinity all the <laughs> time is this big thing. So I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's just, it's so much more normalized and comfortable for people, whether it's at school or work or personal lives or whatever, to just trash talk men. Yeah. Well,
2: well and what is... Well, let's up uh, Can I... Yeah, I just yeah. want to make a point about toxic masculinity. This is a term which they always feign confusion over whenever anyone points out that it's offensive. It is clearly an intentionally provocative phrase. If you wanted to get authentically masculine men on board with your project, you would not label their bad behavior as a form of masculinity. You would say something like, well, actually, these men are behaving in an effeminate way when they treat women poorly because they're not being men who are protectors. Instead, they label it masculinity and go, well, why, are, why would you be against us calling Toxic masculinity. It's like because you're attacking men in general and then claiming you're only attacking a small subsection.
1: So what is toxic femininity?
0: Well, I mean, so I don't mean to jump ahead of ourselves, but I mean, I did bring up Amber Heard, Mm. right? I mean, Ah. I... You know, so She's toxic. when when She's when we that. when we think about toxic masculinity, they say that it's when you take um, things that are traditionally masculine virtues, like maybe toughness or competitiveness, and you take them to a, a twisted extreme, right? And so, with women, if you think about it, um, in in um, Spanish, they have something called Marianismo, and it's the opposite of Machismo. So I Machismo is obviously we all know what Machismo is. Marionismo would be almost like the kind of a counterpart to that, which is where, you know, there's this um, extreme reliance on, you know, kind of a, a victim role, right? Mm-hmm. And with the Amber Heard thing as well, it was very interesting because from a criminal psychology standpoint, attractive women will always fare better in a courtroom than an unattractive woman unless it is shown that she used her attractiveness To in some way carry off the crime and then her attractiveness will statistically turn against her. Interesting. So about toxic femininity then, that would be the case of a woman who uses her femininity, her, you know, beguiling feminine self in a way that, um, you know, twists and manipulates and deceives people.
2: And I think part of why they will never acknowledge that is because to do so is to ha- understand and acknowledge that
1: there are certain benefits to being a woman. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of what we're seeing in modern, in modern Western culture, the failures, are due to masculinity being gutted and, and mm-hmm. purged, which is creating this imbalance where a massive outgrowth of femininity becomes toxic and there's no strong men to rebalance So, like you mentioned, you all of a sudden have the oppression Olympics. Everyone has to be a victim. Toxic femininity is taking over.
0: Absolutely, even to the point where they have to make it up. And you know what? It's not good for the women either. I mean, I've sat with women in my office as a clinical psychologist that have expressed profound shame. Women, you know, that are in their mid-late 20s that say, you know, back in college I cheated on my boyfriend and I felt really bad about it and I... You know, kind of said it was date rape and, you know, I, and, and they, they, they realize, you know, years later that, that they basically ruined somebody's life. Um, but at the time, as soon as they even kind of utter the words, you know, well, I, he, he, he made me or whatever, then all of a sudden they activate this, you know, big support network around them. And I've actually also spoken for an organization called FACE, Families Advocating for Campus Equality. And they they try to assist young men who are being what's called Title IX at schools now where it's, it's a verb, you know, that a woman can just say, oh, well, you know, he raped me or, you know, he harassed me. And in many cases, the man is actually removed from school immediately while the school does some kind of a kangaroo court thing. So toxic the, femininity. <laughs> this is why the Johnny Depp
1: Amber Heard thing mm-hmm. was such a big deal for a lot of people. I'm not going to say for everybody. For a lot of people, it was just celebrity gossip. But you had a guy who was accused. And he won. Mm -hmm. All of this Me Too stuff was just like, you had Aziz Ansari. Do you remember that?
5: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: He, He had a bad date. And the one was like, it was terrible. So they tried to go after him. It's, it's insane.
0: That was insane because I remember the woman said basically like, I went to his house. I, you know, I think she said she went down on him. Then she gave yeah. him a hand <laughs> oh, You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and, and, and there, there was no talk of him like forcing her to stay. I mean, again, like, I think she like, of her own free will. She, she could,
1: mentioned how he was like really nice and saying things like, you know, we don't have to or something like that. Yeah.
0: And I mean, this is why it actually hurts women. I mean, and on the surface of it, it looks like, oh, look, you know, when women are wielding this incredible power. You know but but the truth is is that it actually hurts women it it infantilizes women it suggests that we're not actually capable of going out and having some drinks and making our own choices and you know being able to stand by them it's it's actually hurting women right.
2: I would I would argue part of what all of this comes from is our society's insistence upon oppressing the innate uh, or suppressing the innate understanding that sex is a special thing So people think they can just go out and do it meaninglessly, and then they regret it. But because the culture constantly signals to them that there's nothing wrong with doing that, they wonder, why do I feel bad about this experience? And I think one conclusion they could draw from it is there must have been some coercive element here. I must not have chosen this because I've regretted this. And I've actually seen people say, oh, yeah, no, if you regretted it, then it was coerced,
1: which is an insane thing to say. I, I will say the interesting thing about it is in modern culture... We associate hookups with regret. That mm. in TV shows and movies, it's like they wake up the next day like, oh, man. Then you also have the walk of shame. Mm-hmm.
4: Of course. Yeah. After
1: someone hooks up in college and they're walking out of the dorm or, or the, the frat or sorority house, it's like a shameful thing. And I'm like, that's really weird for a, a society that's trying to tell people it's 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 shameless. It's prideful.
4: Mm. But
1: then in every facet, people feel something negative about the experience.
4: Mm-hmm. It's so interesting to me that they still feel shame. I still firmly <laughs> believe that shame holds a very important role in society and people just choose to ignore it. And one of the things I've constantly said is that every sex scene in every movie is completely unnecessary because our True. culture does not believe that sex means anything. What's the point of having sex? You're just doing a thing. Who cares? Are you deeply in love? Oh yeah, Probably I just, not.
1: I just watched The Boys. <laughs> Sorry. The uh, I watched the first uh episode? I think just the first episode. Uh, have, you, have you ever seen The Boys? No. The
3: superhero show? Yeah. yeah.
1: And in, like, the first 15 minutes, there's just, like, a ton of sex. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, it didn't do anything mm-hmm. for the story mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I was Never like, ah, I get it. Never does. It's like, we're sitting here and they're like, you know. It does something for the guy who made the story. That's why he put it in there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Like, there's, like, a scene that didn't even need to happen. It and happens I, all the time. Th- yeah, I know. I was like, what was what was that? Name it. Cause even Even in films
2: that, like, Even in films where, you know, two people having sex was important to the plot, it's, you never need to show it. It's very interesting that they choose to so often. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Well, it's, it's clear to me that they just want it to be borderline pornographic, just to draw the eyes and the clicks or whatever, because as far as I can tell, in this culture, sex means nothing, which is incredibly sad to me. But I, I I think there's a,
1: I think there's a deeper question in, you know, why, why do humans have these hookups and then regret it in the morning? Mm. Why is that such a common thing that's,
4: They still feel shame. Yeah, like, why? Interesting. If you hook up with, like,
3: a girl that's your friend that you're not attracted to when you're both drunk, and then the next morning you're like, oh, God, what have I done? I've changed the dynamic of my relationship. That's the only shame I've ever felt Mm. walking out of a girl's house. But every other time it's like, hell yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, so yeah. when, when we drink, you know, it, it almost kind of, for lack of a better word, sort of disables our executive lobe, which is the part of ourselves that, you know, thinks about future consequences right. and things like that. <laughs> Nothing and, matters. You know, and also, of course, when in, when it's a hookup situation, you know, one person is usually kind of uh, pouring on the charm, right? So you know, she's laughing at all of his jokes. He's telling her how good she looks, right? And they're both making a little bit of a concerted effort to to get into each other's pants, right? So it's almost like they're kind of on a drug of euphoria in that moment and then the next morning when, you know, reality sets in. Um, and Lydia, to your point about shame as well, just I want to back you up on that. There's a psychological healthy function of shame, which Absolutely. is to let us know when we have broken our own boundaries yeah. and broken our own standards there's actually a healthy sense of, um, of when we've come up short that's, that serves to guide us that we need to make right. a change. There
1: was a viral story at a college. A poster was put up that said, if you are both drunk, the, like if you're a man and you and the woman are drunk and you both hook up, you raped her.
0: Right. Which is so insulting to women. You know what I mean? Because basically what that is saying is that I need a chaperone if I'm going to go out and have drinks. You know, like that's where that goes. It it means that I'm not able to just choose anymore, like how much to drink and when I'm ready to go home with somebody. I mean, I'm married now, so I'm just speaking hypothetically.
1: (laughs) I'm pretty sure there was a story where, um, yeah, I I vaguely remember this. I think Reason reported it. A man and a woman both got drunk and hooked up at a college. And the man immediately went to the school and reported her for raping him. And she got in trouble. And they were all freaking out. And there's like that's the the way the game works. He was worried that she was going to go and report him, so he reported her first, and then he wins because he reported her first.
4: That's interesting. But, yeah, I did want to say, I do think that the fact that a woman can't have a few drinks and maintain her bodily autonomy, when I started hearing about kids who are able to change their gender at the drop of a hat, I was like, this is so insulting that I can't go out and have a beer and then sleep. Not that I ever would. I would never. (laughs) I never have. Now I'm married, so it's fine. But it's like... That you would have no bodily autonomy just by the mere act of drinking a few drinks is ridiculous to me. It's treating women like children.
1: Let me pull up this story because I simply Googled it and I found it from oh, Reason. Like male student accuses female student of sexual assault says he wanted. Re- says uh, she says he wanted revenge. Title IX creates a prisoner's dilemma. Students have to file sexual misconduct complaints to avoid being the accused. This is actually really crazy. The gist of the story is that a male accuser... Uh, in an unusual move, filed a Title IX complaint against her. The female students uh, filed a lawsuit. So this is an inversion of what we typically see, where the male gets accused. Mm. I think this guy just knew what the game was.
0: Good for him. He's
1: like, she's going to falsely accuse me. Let's go for it.
0: Exactly. It's kind of like what Seamus was saying as well about how this whole situation is eroding the male-female dynamic, right? Where there's almost like this, you know, race to see who's who's going to file on the other person first, you know, defensively. And this is for people who just, you know, made love. (laughs) Look at this. Look at this. It
1: says so. There's uh, uh, was it Jane Roe and John Doe because their names are blocked out. So the woman contends it was ridiculous to find her guilty of non-consexual sex because of of the man's drunkness, but not find him guilty, too, because she was also drunk. It doesn't matter. You made this game. No this is what see this is. This, this is why young men are like feminism is bad, because this is what it results in. It's like you go into the bedroom, you hook up. And then as soon as you're done, you're both looking at each other, looking at the door, and then you're both running full speed Go, trying to out. accuse each other of being the aggressor.
3: Mm-hmm. That's completely insane. Well, yes.
1: I, I don't, <laughs> it's nuts. I, I don't, maybe
3: I'm taking a different view of hookup culture. Yeah. I, I kind of went through it in the nineties. No, we well, more in 2000, early two thousands, late nineties, but I never really found it abhorrent or had a problem with it. Like I would hook up with a girl. Uh, we would both have a great time and then that would be that. And then I would never really, if we would or wouldn't talk again after that. And it was just really fun. You know, sex is fun. It's
2: like, why do you, people snowboard? It's fun. It's exercise. Yeah, but snowboarding doesn't carry the risk with it of like creating another human life, and I shouldn't even call it a risk. Right? Creating a human what life is it's it a beautiful did? thing. It's not but true. what if, I like, mean, you went snowboarding life into the world. and when you got to the
1: bottom of the mountain, you just had a baby? You like, what <laughs> <laughs> <I> <laughs> <am> <laughs> then you know what? Really we would have
2: fast. we would have some very strong social stigmas around who you went snowboarding <laughs> with, right. probably, and how often
1: you snowboarded, <laughs> yeah. and whether you having whether you were snowboarding outside of marriage. Yeah. I think Dad, that's Dad, true, Dad. Where do babies come from? Well, son, when a man and woman love each other, they go snowboard. The time they reach the bottom of the mountain.
2: What about the people who ski? That's unnatural. That's <laughs> okay.
3: um, you are right. It's not a sport. Sex yeah. is not a sport. And it shouldn't be treated like that.
1: I mean, I feel like the path we're on, it will be.
4: Yeah. Like,
1: you're going to have weird.
4: It's a race to the court. Weir- yeah. Yeah, it's bad. Well, right
1: now, it's, it, it's a sprint. It's <laughs> like you're in college and you hook up. You both are like, right. well, uh, uh, that was great. I'm, I'm going to go to bed. And then you like, the guy starts like speed walking towards the, the Title IX office or whatever. And then he gets. Halfway he like he's like halfway there and then all of a sudden down the end of the hallway he sees the woman and they just both bolt for the door like uh, running towards it. That's that's where this is going. You got well, it. I, oh, oh sorry.
3: No 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 you go. Delineate between sex has the, the pregnancy aspect, mm-hmm. which is what but mm-hmm. also the orgasm, which mm-hmm. is like I mean that's you get better at it the more you do it, from my experience, and the more you study it. So like if, if someone's like never will have sex only until they're about ready to have a baby, then they're missing out on the opportunity to you know, give their partner an orgasm or fifty orgasms. Or uh, uh, well, I Ian,
1: would disagree. Did you, did, did you know? uh you, I think I think you all might know this: that women who. uh Abstain from sex until marriage. Report greater satisfaction. Is that, that's yeah, it's I'm pretty correct, sure. Yes, and they're also the least likely to divorce. Yeah, right. It yes. is yeah.
0: true. It is true. And also, I just wanted to say, I know that you said you had a certain experience in college with sex that was different from this, you know, kind of um, race to the courtroom thing. <laughs> and yeah. I wanted to just mention that it was in 2014 that the Obama administration announced this new effort to combat sexual assault on campuses. And I think that's really when this whole thing of like Title Nining somebody and like you know young men if they're accused that they have to be removed immediately like while this kangaroo court situation happens. So if you were able to graduate from college before 2014, it might have been a different world. That oh then. yeah, it was t-
2: 2001 is yeah. when I graduated. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know I've sort of said this before. I've, you know I'm I'm a traditionalist. I wear that on my sleeve, but. What the left often does is, in the long run, after they've broken down the social boundaries, they try to imitate traditionalism, but in a much more convoluted way. And so what we see is, as it would be the case in the past people uh, do get in trouble for having you know, sexually immoral encounters, but because we don't know how to label a consensual sexual encounter as immoral, people jump to it was assault. Now, obviously, yes, there are people who are genuinely assaulted, and there should be resources for them, but it, it just happens to be the case that they have this entire infrastructure set up with these kangaroo courts, which, as we've described, will punish people for a crime that they did not commit. It will charge them, not as someone who's fornicated, but as someone who has raped
0: hmm. It's interesting because also from a psychology perspective, we think about internal locus of control versus external locus of control. So internal is where I believe that I'm the one in the driver's seat in my life. I'm the one choosing if I have those drinks and sleep with that guy or whatever else. And the external locus of control is, you know, oh, well, it, it was the situation, it was the patriarchy, I was, you know, whatever, and as if the world is happening to us like the weather. And psychology studies have shown that people with an internal locus of control tend to, you know, be less vulnerable to things like anxiety and depression. It's a it's a factor of resilience to feel that you have self-efficacy and that you are in charge of your own decisions. So mm-hmm. I do think that this whole thing um, has not been good, you know, for women or for men when we start seeing that it's not just you, me, and the lamppost, you know, like de- just deciding what we're doing here, but that we think we, we start blaming all these social factors instead of just looking at our own behavior. I mean that's yeah. that's
1: the culture war in a nutshell. Yeah. People yeah. being like, it's not my fault, I did it,
0: it's patriarchy. Is that yes. like a
3: result of psychoactives being introduced to young people that they now have less of an internal locus of control? They're they're seeing it happening around well,
0: I think that there's been this big movement, you know, to, to, to de-shame women, right? For if, if they want to have sex and, you know, whatever they want to do, you know, girl power again, all of that kind of stuff. And so therefore, if a woman does have regrettable sex, it, maybe within that framework, it wouldn't really be permissible for her to say, you know, I feel shame. I don't feel like that's good for me. I don't think I, I want to do that again, because then she'd have to look at herself and say that she wants to do something differently, which would go against the grain of this other narrative of saying women are just just like men, you can go have sex all the time with a bunch of people and, and you'll be fine. Um, and so then because she she can't blame her, you know, her own choices, then the only alternative is to start blaming other people.
1: Mm. Well, and there are no strong men yep. to stand up mm-hmm. and say enough. Um, I mean, there are. But they're all right-wing now. I mean, even if they're not right-wing, they're right-wing. That's what's happening. That's what they're Joe called. Rogan is a right-wing comedian, Apparently. I suppose. Because if, if you have any kind mm-hmm. of masculinity... I mean, this is probably why they call Joe Rogan right-wing. He's a meathead. He is a ripped MMA dude who goes bow-hunting for elk. He's got left-wing politics, but that doesn't matter. Mm. He's masculinity. Yeah, well, you
3: need a dude that'll stand up and say, enough, but also that will cry in feeling what she is feeling like Jordan Peterson. So I think he's kind of the embodiment of the strong man right now.
1: Peterson seems to be, although he's not a meathead and I don't know (laughs) what he benches. I I think when we, when we had uh we had Tyler Fisher on the other night Mm -hmm. and he said that he, he was raised by two dads. He said that he was very much, you know, woke and everything until he started listening to Jordan Peterson and Jordan Peterson helped him get, get his life in order. And I'm like, that's exactly why they fear Jordan Peterson so much teaching teaching young men personal responsibility, teaching young men to be masculine. That is very dangerous for people who don't want that balance brought back to the force. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so I've said this before on the show. I honestly mostly blame
2: men for feminism. I think the reason women are acting like men is because men are acting like children and people will usurp the roles that are not being fulfilled by the people who are responsible for them in some sense. And so I think we're in a position where society has basically, as you've mentioned, put a lot of emphasis on areas where we think women might be falling behind relative to men. Whenever men are falling behind, that's never really considered a problem. And so now we have a system where women are actually able to Um, contribute to the economy in the workforce in a way that a lot of men can't compete with within the romantic marketplace. And so, A, you have that. But then, B, it's far outside of an economic issue. It's also an issue of virtue. Like, men are not taught to see women as people who they should love and protect and care for. Think about what porn has done to men's brains. It has convinced them that women are objects for their own sexual pleasure and not human beings who they should love and in commune with and genuinely care for and protect.
4: Well, to tie together what you were saying about women being told they shouldn't feel ashamed for sleeping with a bunch of men, it makes me angry to a certain degree that women are told that they need to behave like men you need to work you need to fight you need to do all of this stuff you need to take action against people who take advantage of you you don't actually need to do that and the fact of the matter is that men and women view sex very differently i understand that i'm okay with that i'm not fighting against that because it's a biological imperative women connect much more deeply than men with sex on a very emotional level because women tend to be more emotional, and that's okay, that's fine, that's wonderful, it's beautiful. Men are not the same.
3: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
4: A laundry? Oh, a book club!
1: Computer solitaire, huh?
3: Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino.
1: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumba. chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void We're prohibited by law. 18+ terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Even on a neurochemical exactly. level, like women release a bunch of oxytocin. It's really it's really crazy because did you know that the better the sex is, the more orgasms the woman has? The more oxytocin she releases, right? Mm. So the more bonded she gets to the guy, wow. the the better the sex is for exactly. her. Which is awful, right? Because like if you go out and you're going to have that one night stand, bowl, it, it better be good, right? Like, you're you're not doing it for relationship fulfillment, right? It's just a you know sex, and then you end up getting like really bonded to the person. Well, right? that, that
1: that explains mm-hmm. why uh, mm-hmm. women who abstain from sex until marriage tend to report greater satisfaction. Of course. Sense. So yeah. I, I read that. I'm not gonna. I, I'm not saying I know for a fact. I don't have the evidence pulled up, but am You know, I'm, that that is the case. I.
0: I and believe. for men, the more like orgasms and the more forceful orgasms that You're they spreading have, spreading your seed, <laughs> fine, great, and the more testosterone they get, yeah. their testosterone rises and rises, which makes them, you know, just more and more independent and all these other things. Right. So, I yes, wanna, it's really hard for women. You know I, wanna, what I what we wanna we want to ask you wanted.
1: this, yeah. um, Dr. Chloe. So I was thinking about dating apps, and we've talked about this on the show before. I was talking to this young guy. Uh, this was a few years ago. He was like 26 and he was a virgin and hadn't had a girlfriend. And he was saying that it was basically impossible. And through the conversation, it was interesting. Basically, what he was saying was that, you know, all everyone dates through Tinder and other apps and stuff. So he's on there, but he can never get any responses. And I was like, interesting. I started reading some uh, data from uh, dating websites. And it looks like what may be happening in colleges, you have... 20-year-old men and women, let's just use an average age, they're all on Tinder. The 20-year-old man has no status, has no wealth. He's in college. So when he reaches out to a peer, a 20-year-old woman, and he says, want to hang out? She goes, sure, what did you have in mind? We can go to the the, the courtyard and we can like talk. And she's like, that's cool. Then she swipes right on a 30-year-old guy. Who makes 70, 80,000 dollars a year? He's got a, got a nice car. He's got his own apartment. And he says, You want to hang out? And she goes, What do you want to do? And he says, We can drive to the lake, go see a movie, and then come back to my place. I've got drinks. And she goes, Done.
0: Yeah, even more. He doesn't just say, You want to hang out? He says, Would you like to go have dinner? Right? Mm. You know, I feel like from the start, he's whining and dining a little more.
1: So it feels to me that dating apps have expanded the dating pool so massively that young men no longer have a peer group in which they can find a mate. And higher status men now get access to basically every, every available woman. So what we started seeing is, this was reported by the Washington Post, that I think a third of men under 29 were virgins. And, you know, unmarried as well, not dating. That, that was, I think, four years ago. So it's probably gone up since then something is happening. I'm wondering if if you, uh, you know, what your thought is uh, on dating apps and if you would agree with...
0: Yeah, yeah. I totally agree with what you said about the numbers game and, you know, the fact that now that 20-year-old woman is as well, she's going to be this, like, hot item, you know, if she's open to going out with 30-year-old guys, right? So she, the, it really shifts the, the dating dynamics. And then also, you know, I've, I've read something similar about the virginity rate, like amongst, you know, very young people. And I think it may also have to do with the proliferation of porn, you know, as Seamus was saying. I mean, to, to really get out there and like, you know, find somebody, it's even for a one night stand, you know, it's, it's not easy, right? You have to take certain social risks. You have to put yourself out there. You have to deal with rejection. You know, there's so many hurdles that you have to clear. And if young men are able to get their appetites, you know, pretty much fully satisfied, from the comfort of their own home for less money and less effort. I can yeah. see where they would have less motivation as well. And then, then as you said, if the dating app dynamics are making it even harder for them.
2: Yeah, and I think that's that's absolutely correct. And it's not just that their need is satisfied in some sense. It, by virtue of what it is, you only have to think about yourself in, in your own pleasure and not another human being who you're involved with. And on top of that, it's very sad when you see how the dynamic has played out because men will point out the fact that women have all these options on these uh, dating apps the reality is most women want to find one man to be monogamous with and they're not able to do that because guess what the guy they're interested in because he's at the top of the dominance hierarchy so to speak <laughs> he's got a bunch of other women who are into him and he's messing around with all of them and he's not going to commit to any one of them it's so it's this 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 horrific like sexual
1: hellscape where no one gets what's going to make them happy or, or it's a revert to a primitive state where the alpha just gets all the women. Yeah, we need a dating app
3: called Genghis Khan, yeah. where the dude just goes on there. And has, I mean, that's basically it's, what's happening anyway. It's just anyway. one
1: guy, the guy who made the app, and only <laughs> women can sign up. Do you, do you, do you, I'm pretty sure what chimps do is, like, the chimps all beat the crap out of each other, and the chimp who wins bangs all the girls, all the women.
0: You know, it's also interesting, too, with Prides of Lions, when, um like a the the males from a warring pride come and like defeat the males of another pride, the females of the defeated pride will immediately go sleep with the victorious males.
2: Not loyal, yeah. man. Wow. You know, yeah. but
0: I mean, also, Seamus, to your point about about them getting their needs satisfied, you you kind of touched on something there that I, I think is important too, which is that young men who are sexually inexperienced, you know, virgins they might think that they're getting their needs satisfied in the sense that like that Mm -hmm. they're seeing porn and they're having an orgasm check. (laughs) But like, they don't know the pleasure of like being with a woman and, you know, laughing together and, and the, the, the touch and the intimacy and the fun of it. Because they haven't experienced it, so they might think that they're getting satisfied, but they don't realize that they're not really getting it all. Yeah, and to be fair,
2: I think a lot of them know and are very bitter about that. I think a lot of them know that they're not really getting a full, authentic experience, and that they are sort of being cynically exploited by the people who produce Uh this kind of hideous stuff, and that it's inhibiting their ability to have real relationships. When you you when you have an
3: orgasm with alone in your room, you're losing a lot of fluid. Like there it goes. But when you're with a woman. You're introducing the fluid to them. They're introducing the fluid to you, and so you're getting something. You're not just not just a net loss when you're with someone. It's well, a trade, and that's a very different feeling, like um, emotional or like chemical chemical experience. Uh,
1: correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a better way. I think I, I think this may be more accurate. There is like a, 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 a the exchanges in what you smell that triggers certain you know blood flow and release of chemicals in the brain,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely things that you smell, but I mean it's also even the the sense of being held and squeezed and you know just felt and loved and and kissed and and known. I mean there's just there's a there's an interpersonal component to sex. Yeah, yeah. But, but isn't that saying that you
2: should even have to say that? Like Common, yeah. so when, when, when
1: when men and women smell each other, their blood flow increases, their like blood vessels dilate, chemicals get released in the well, brain. D- and I think like it depends that. on how he smells to yeah, be fair, for, sure. uh, for the no, woman. Wait. I think if he well, smells... Well, well, no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> I was making a joke. No, no. So the point I'm making is that if the woman is attracted to the, attracted to the man or if the man smelled... Like, I'm not saying the smell makes the attraction or the attraction makes the smell, but there is a correlation between a man smelling good and a woman being attracted to him. Pheromones, mm-hmm. at the very so there, least. There's a, that famous documentary series they did, The Science of Sex, where they had a bunch of dudes run on treadmills, took their shirts off and put them in jars, then had women come in and smell each shirt and rate whether it smelled good or bad. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the women who said the shirt smelled – that some, the, the women said some s- shirts smelled bad, they would be related to that man.
3: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. crazy. They said, oh,
1: this one smells good. They were not related. If it smelled bad, they, they're like, that was your brother. And she's like, oh, wow. <laughs> I noticed like, also – You didn't even need to see him to know it's not a mate for – it's not a potential mate. It's, it would be bad, right?
2: It's funny because I've known girls who, like, really complain about the way that their brothers smell.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. And then th- I was reading that they tell women if they're going to get married to get off birth control. Yes. Because it negatively impacts their, like, recept, like sensory reception to the man. Mm-hmm. And then when they stop taking the birth control, they say, stop taking it, wait a few weeks. And if your man smells bad, you can't get married. Mm-hmm. I- I've noticed also
3: about sexual intercourse is that it builds confidence. And I like the word confidence because it has the word confide. Like you're actually, um, confidant, con, and you're, you're basically interacting with another person in, in this, like, really, Primal, primally evocative, you know, proactive manner, and you're able to make eye contact, for instance, and it's like, the level of confidence that you get out of that is not even remotely, uh, there in porn. It's nothing like that. Nothing. It's a completely other. It's basically having a friend, like a really good friend. Oh
0: my gosh! Yeah, I could see where porn would almost be like the opposite, mm-hmm. right? Because like you know, you're you're sitting there and you're like either like paying some website or you know you're like basically doing something where you're validating to yourself almost the idea that 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 you can't get somebody or whatever <laughs> you know. So it's it's almost like invalidating. Mm-hmm. But it's also well,
1: it's also it, it warps people's minds. The 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 the, the weird. The weird stuff on the internet is so far outside of the realm of reality. It used to be like a dude would be like, I'd like to be in bed with that woman. Now it's a guy being like, I would love to swing from a ceiling fan while bungee jumping, (laughs) you know, like just all the weird crazy.
2: And it really fosters that, right? Because if you are in the context where you are married to a woman who you're having sex with, you love this person. You don't want to do anything to her that would be considered degrading. So if there is some intrusive thought or weird fantasy, you're not going to indulge it with pornography. First of all, there's no one there to check you. So there's no one there to be like, that's a weird thing to want. You can literally search whatever you want. And then people just, people are obsessed with novelty. And so they search for more and more deranged things. And look, when you look at the fact that erectile dysfunction rates have increased as much as they have, it's almost certainly attributable to the
1: wide accessibility of pornographic materials, especially to boys who are still teenagers. I think, I think, I think Jordan Peterson talked about that, right? Like young, uh, maybe I'm wrong. But I was reading something where young men are watching this ridiculous, mm-hmm. you know, fake reality stuff. And then when it comes to the real world thing, they're like, I don't, I don't know what this is. Exactly. But, to- but I do want to say, look, man, I think if people want to be kinky and do stuff in the bedroom and be whatever they want to be or whatever, I got no issue with that. My, my issue is when people start separating themselves from reality with weird stuff that's just like, like I said, like swinging from a ceiling fan while <laughs> jumping out of a plane and then throwing the ceiling. Just like weird. That's not going to happen. I mean I I guess if you want to, if you're rich enough to make that happen and you want to bang someone while jumping out of a plane there's you know, a big whatever. difference
3: between two people having sex where they're not looking at each other they don't even know each other they don't care it's just two bodies smashing together the girl's in pain cuz it's like so hard and, but and then the situation where it's two people that are connecting to each other and they feel each other's bodies they're not moving to hurt they're not ignoring the other person while they're just pounding and it's like but the internet doesn't know how to to, to diver- differentiate between that, and so the kids see both, and they don't know what's supposed to be good or bad, and then you get the warping effect. Kids shouldn't see it at, at all. all. There's another <laughs> argument. Average age now is 11 that oh, kids are awful. seeing porn.
0: To, to Tim's point, also about the just what we call in, a need for an increasing stimulation, right? So the first time maybe that you sit down and look at porn online you're even just getting some adrenaline from that because you know you're doing something taboo and so your body because of the extra adrenaline will actually sometimes have a more intense sexual experience like there have been some studies even that showed that people who just walked across a scary bridge that was really old and rickety that they would rate people as more attractive than people who had just walked across a very safe bridge so when people you know use porn to a certain degree it's it's almost like a drug. Uh, But then once you've seen the same stuff a million times, it becomes sort of ho-hum. And so then people just need to keep doing, as Tim was saying, stuff that's, you know, even more and more bizarre to kind of keep up that sort of a hit. And then there's the other factor, which is that these sites make money. By getting you to spend more time on it, and so they'll be popping up uh, stuff that you might never have even thought of. But there you are with your your body physiology all turned on to the point where you could look at a baked potato and think it was and, sexy, and, right? And then, and then
1: and then you end up with a guy in the hospital with a broken light bulb in his ass. Yeah, what, <laughs> exactly like What, what were you thinking, dude? It's like, I on the internet. What? So, yeah. I mean, your studies of
3: psychology. What is like a good tactic for people to maintain that adrenaline rush with their partner?
0: Well, so I actually have an article about that. Um, It's called Don't uh, Have Chemistry with Nice Guys. Here's how to change that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, If anybody wants to um, email me through my website, I'll send you a copy of the blog if you can't find it. Um, but so what, what I suggest people do, like this is, it's kind of old fashioned, but like, that's why people go to horror movies on dates. Cause like it, it kind of like gets things going a little bit, you know, or do even going to like new places, new restaurants, that kind of thing, um, escape rooms, anything that just gets your blood going and gets that, um, kind of excitement going, um, will kind of transfer onto the sex. Yeah, actually,
1: Mm -hmm. I actually read that, um, when women are scared. They generate a stronger bond with the person they're on a date with. Yeah.
4: Correct, they need to.
1: And so there was, a, I think it was a study about they, they, you know, monitored people on dates and they, and they had them walk across a rickety bridge. And the women reported like higher bonding or satisfaction with their date when they were walking across a rickety bridge. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, trauma bonding, right? Is not yeah. not a real phenomenon. I'm curious about this.
0: Well, it's even just the increase in adrenaline, mm-hmm. right? So, so when you have more adrenaline going, you know, your your heart is beating faster. You're getting a little sweaty. Um, it's it's almost like the same as being turned on, you know. And so you're you're just experiencing all of your physical sensations more intensely, and but, and also you're you're blocking out thoughts of anything else because your mind goes into this tunnel vision.
4: Yeah, fight or flight. Yeah. But yeah. I
1: think I think even beyond the studies we've done on this stuff, there's the there's like the joke in in TV shows and movies where the guy stages a mugging to impress the date. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that that we just knew that we knew That's that. My point. you point. Go on a date with a woman, and then if, if the guy defends her, he looks tough. It's attractive, and then we do science. We're like, oh yeah, that actually happens. Or
0: oh, mm-hmm. the girl stages a damsel in distress moment, <laughs> and you yeah. know the man comes to her rescue. <laughs> yeah.
1: Are there dietary things that can improve mm-hmm. adrenaline?
0: I, I don't know about that. I don't know. So
1: the interesting thing is the, the the relationship dynamics are changing so dramatically now that femininity is sort of being washed away. We have this story that we've talked about quite a bit, actually. I mean, we've done multiple segments on it, but I want to bring it up so that we can talk about it with you, Dr. Chloe. The New York Post writes, women are struggling to find men who make as much money as they do. And so they talk about these women uh, who are like, you know, a 30-year-old who's a 38-year-old making $50,000 a year or something, and she can't find a man. And, you know, when I first talked about this, boy, did every feminist lose their mind. They were like, Tim Pool, how dare you? And I said, here's my assessment. If you're a 38-year-old man, and you're making $50,000 a year, why would you want to date a 38-year-old woman who's making $50,000 a year when you can date a 28-year-old woman who's making less, and you can provide, and actually feel uh, appreciated? Cre- like... It's it's this older guy. He's going to date a younger woman because he has the money to do so. It feels good for him because she appreciates what he's able to give to her. And he feels like he's able to give something. But dating a woman of the same age, he's not offering anything. It doesn't feel good. And why would she want to date someone who's not a provider? So ultimately, what ends up happening is guys like dating younger women. So older women who who are career women are going to have a harder time.
0: Yes, they do. They do. I mean, I can just... From my own practice, you know, it's 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 a difficult thing, you know, and and women. I I'm not saying this to be a- against women. I'm actually really saying it in sympathy with women that women who who do get older will say that it becomes harder and harder for them to date. Yeah, because for a variety of reasons, whether it's um, the fact that more of their age peers are married. Or that maybe their age peers are hoping to have kids. And so they're trying to date a younger woman so that they have time to do that. You know, I think that's why a lot of women are freezing their eggs.
1: I I think women would, um, they need to pay attention to the Leonardo DiCaprio principle. (laughs) But I I mean mean it. No, I know what
2: you're talking about. Well,
1: would you want to explain what what Leonardo DiCaprio does? Leonardo DiCaprio, regardless of his age, (laughs) dates women who are in their early 20s. And only up to a certain age. And then like every woman's like 25 and then he breaks up with her. than 25. So here's my point.
2: <laughs> what are you going to say? No, I saw a headline. It was like, it, this is on Twitter. It was pretty funny. It's like Leonardo DiCaprio's exes. Where are they now? And the, the top reply was probably in their late 20s. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> That's great.
1: So here's why I say this. 25-year-old man. He's going to date a 22-year-old woman. 35-year-old man. He's going to date a 22-year-old woman. 45-year-old man. He's going to date a 22-year-old woman. You see these, these old men, you know, and they're like 70, and they're wealthy, and they're dating 20-year-old women. So as women get older, no matter what they could provide, it's, it, let's say you're 40 and you don't make that much money and you're hoping to find some maybe, maybe you'll find someone older because they want younger, the the rich guy can still get the 20-year-old woman. Dude. And I'm not, I'm not saying it should be that way, but the reality is if a man at no matter what age, I mean, we've seen 80-year-old men with 20-something-year-old women, like you're robbing the cradle and it's like, I don't care, I'm old and I'm going to die. And she's like, and then he does and I get his money. That they, they 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 like it. So the problem there is there's a certain point for women where no matter how old the guy is, if he has resources, he will go for the 20, 30-year-old woman.
0: Right. And, you know, it kind of takes me back to the article that you mentioned when we started the poll showing that, you know, younger uh, men thought feminism had done more harm than good, but that uh, that was less true of a belief for for young women to have. And I couldn't help but think about the fact that yeah, that's that's young women that mm. that they're currently saying, oh yeah, the world is just telling me that I can have it all, I can do this, I can do that, and the everything else. Why wouldn't they like that message, right? But when we start talking about the older women who are then saying, yeah, okay, so I spent my twenties climbing the career ladder and not having kids and how how has feminism really necessarily helped me so much i would be curious about women you know that are in their 30s for that poll the interesting very thing about point.
1: all of these polls that take a look at feminism and dating and stuff is that they don't understand the difference in generations so when they say did you know that women on average make 17% or you know 23% less than men it's like are you talking about all age groups or are you factoring in only gen x and below because mm-hmm. if you do that then all of a sudden you realize women make more than men the problem is it's very simple in the 60s and 70s women didn't work the same jobs as men, they didn't make as much money. Now they're 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 growing up there is a disparity in the boomer generation, there was a disparity in the silent generation. The disparity is mostly going away. But the narrative persists. I mean the narrative of the pay gap is wrong for a million and one reasons. But what's happened now is it's inverted. Young women are more likely to graduate college, more likely to go to college, more more likely to get higher paying jobs than their male counterparts, but because we lump in boomers with millennials in the same stats it presents this narrative of female victimhood. When boomers are long gone, it is going to be inverted and women will make more than men. Well, also, it's interesting
2: that it's considered victimhood, right? Because what is necessarily wrong with women choosing not to work as much or choosing to work fewer hours or just choosing not to work at all because they want to have a family? Why is that seen as like some horrible form of oppression when they're making that choice for themselves? You know, feminists will often make the argument that they just want women to be able to make their own choices. They're not here to try to force a specific social order under uh, under the greater whole of society. But all of the decisions women make that they complain about happen to be the more traditional ones. So it's clear that they're not interested in letting women make their own choices. They have a specific set of of standards they think women should be living by for them. Who's they that said that? Feminists. I mean, that's feminism. Every single time they complain about a disparity between men and women, it's a disparity uh, which is an indicator that women are behaving more traditionally or taking on a more traditionally feminine gender role.
1: You know what I think it is? I think it is social pressures beget social pressures Mm. i think that there was a genuine issue with with equal opportunity women complained about it
4: with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere
1: dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom
4: sorry
0: sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time
5: no
3: lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i
1: pronounce you lucky
4: play for free at luckylandslots.com daily bonuses
0: are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details
1: so then people said let's do a big pr campaign and tell women they can be equal this created social pressure among women to be those fighting for equality because that was the social cause the social cause is speeding up it's going faster and faster this is why i think young men don't like modern feminism because women are chasing—I I shouldn't say women necessarily—but the the feminine is chasing after social acceptance in a rapid degree, regardless of what that outcome is. It's also
3: financial it gives you uh, like an air of independence because if a man and a woman were dating and the girl and the guy has all the money, he's got a job, she doesn't, and she's like, "I want to eat uh, rabbit tonight," and the guy's like, "Well, I'm paying for it, so we're eating pizza."
2: But I think the problem is not that she
3: doesn't have money. The problem is she's dating an asshole. That's the case. Maybe. But after then, they're like, okay, Lynn, let's get married and it can be our money. And the guy's like, you know what? I'm the one making our money, so we're eating pizza. So to, that's a horrible to, husband. To, yeah. to go back to the point I was trying to make is... Or maybe she should get a job.
1: The, the point I, I was trying know. to make is that women feel pressured to do things they're seeing on social media or in the news because they think that's what they have to do to be accepted, to be acceptable. So they're adopting certain behaviors. They're uh, putting on certain messages. They're holding up certain signs. Because they all just chase after each other's message. Well, there's no one to tell them, like, hey, that's, that's too and much.
0: Women and girls are more vulnerable to what's called social contagion, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why, like, for example, like in the eighties, like it seemed like every woman, like, had an eating disorder, or, you know, or like there's just certain things that can suddenly crop up, right? And I think that sometimes that can happen for, for women and girls as well when we get bombarded with this messaging, you know, that we're supposed to, you know, do certain things in, in career and that we can't even, talk about you know wanting something different like from the psychology side also uh, psychology studies have shown that people on the left are um, more collectivist and people on the right politically tend to be more individualist mm. right and so one of the both both sides have their extremes which can be you know not so good but when it comes to collectivism one of the things that can happen is that you can get attached to the narrative of the group, right? And there's, you know, group think to the point where you don't even feel comfortable stepping out of the narrative. That's why it does feel so insanely controversial for young women to say, you know, I, I'm not sure that I, I want to be a lo- partner at a law firm, mm-hmm. you know?
2: Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, you made this point earlier where you said you'd be curious to know how women would respond to being asked the question of whether feminism was a net positive once they're in their 30s or older. I think another thing we have to consider is whether we should just be asking women about the specific results of feminism and asking them whether they're happy with that. Because if you just use the term, oftentimes I think what people are going to do is look at what they think that movement intends and not necessarily what its results are. So if you ask women questions like, are you happy with the fact that it's more difficult for you to find a man who makes as much money as you. Are you happy with the fact that it's harder for you to start a family? I mean, almost all of them would say no. I thought, Chloe, what you said about the left being more
3: collectivist, the right being more individualist or independent, I guess, individualist. The extreme of the right individualism would be like what I was saying earlier. The guy and the girl are in a relationship. The guy makes more money and he's like, so he, I'm going to decide what we do because I'm the one bringing the money and the money is what's going to get the thing. And that's like the, the – so, that's the the extreme of the
1: individualism. That's that's I disagree. How so? Well, I, I don't necessarily disagree. I just want to say that what likely would occur is a woman saying, "I'm breaking up with you. I'm leaving." Right? Women have a choice, and if the man is is to in one direction, then it just breaks apart. So maybe actually, say I, I should say I agree with you. That degree of individualism would probably break the. Yeah, relationship. yeah, that's the
3: extreme gone too yeah. far.
1: Or the extreme, I was gonna what what, what, what I wanted to way. say though is that I think the extreme of individualism would be the man beating the woman. Jeez, God, I mean, that's the extreme. Well, he clearly doesn't, at that point, care so little for her well-being, he causes her harm, right? So, I- I'm thinking about, like, prenuptials.
3: Do you, as I guess through your psychology, do you think prenuptials are, I-, I feel like prenuptials should be written into marriage without even, like, the option, personally. But what do you think about those?
4: I
0: don't have a prenup, personally. Of not. So, you know, I mean, I, I think it's, it's gonna be different for each person. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, I just, personally, um, view of marriage as, as a, as the kind of commitment that you make without um, having without needing or wanting to have like kind of a if we break up plan because the plan is no matter what happens we're not breaking up. However, um I, I am a I'm an individualist and I totally get that every marriage is different and if other people say that they just feel better with a prenup, I don't I don't have any problem with that. I,
1: I gotta say, if you think you need a prenup, you should not get married. Don't get married. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't uh, do but it. that's
3: why I think they should be written in without you having to think about no,
1: it. No, 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 no. I disagree. I disagree.
3: Why would getting married to someone that all of your wealth from the last 40 years of my life would would now be gone if, so, if she decided to leave me. That's insane.
1: Because marriage is till death do us part. If you're trying to date someone, you don't need a prenup. And if you're pledging your life to another person, you shouldn't need one. And if you do... Maybe you should reconsider pledging well, your wife. Maybe the life. issue is
0: no fault divorce then, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes. so I, I can understand kind of like what you both are saying, like, and, and I, guess, well, like, I, I don't have a prenup. I, I wouldn't want to be, you know, enter into marriage that way. But I can also understand where, you know, for, for a man or a woman that had built up a lot of wealth and we're now getting into this, you know, legal contract, that's, um, you know, supposed to represent a spiritual commitment, but then we're making it a legal contract. And part of that legal contract isn't structured around a lifelong agreement like it used to be because we got rid of no, uh, because now we have no-fault divorce. So I can I could understand getting rid of no-fault mm-hmm. divorce. I yeah. agree.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think also. And, the, and sorry, sure. just no, no, the, the, the courts are heavily biased in favor of women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, yeah. A, to an insane degree, especially with children and oh. men. Well, yes. you know,
2: it's funny because we live in this culture where no-fault divorce is the law of the land and people will say things like, well, look how often marriage ends in divorce. How could you ever be in favor of social structures which disincentivize that or would, you know, dissuade people from getting divorced? But I think what people often miss is, If young folks know they're in an environment where divorce is not an option, I firmly believe they're going to be more careful about who they choose to marry. And I think also people are going to be more careful about their decision making in general when it comes to sexuality. A lot of people will start sleeping with someone. And as you've mentioned, that releases oxytocin and other hormones that bond you. And there are a lot of couples that end up together because they're sexually engaging with one another. And they're bonding, but they're not actually really good for each other. And then at some point in the marriage, when the novelty of that person wears off, they get divorced. So I think it's not just that we have no-fault divorce in people who would otherwise be staying married or getting divorced. I think they're actually making poor choices about who they end up marrying because of the current status quo.
0: A starter marriage. It's like a a phrase. It's horrifying. (laughs) It's horrifying.
3: What's that, like training wheels?
0: I don't know. It's just, it's something I've heard young women talk about is like a starter marriage or it's even worse, but I've heard young women say like, you know, first marriage is for money. Second marriage is for love. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yes. I know. I know. Exactly, and, and, and this is, this
1: cringe. is, this is, this is, this is ruining relationships. It's, uh, we were talking about this the other day that, uh, we were citing Jordan Peterson so often in this, yes. but he was saying something that after 35, you better have a family because that's when things start to break down. That, that's what the conversation, were you, you were here for that, right? or no,
2: no, no, I don't, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, when what things start to break down. When you start to be, you're going to be lonely, you're going to have no friends. Like if you don't start a family around 35, you're going to be Yeah, left this out. is
4: colloquially called the wall. And I'm sure you've heard of it if you've been a denizen of the internet for any length of time. All women supposedly hit a wall when they're about 35, and if you don't have a family, you are going to be lonely and you're going to have a problem. You're not going to be able to find a good date. It doesn't matter how much money you make because that's not what men look for in a spouse. Mm-hmm.
0: I do think that there are exceptions to that. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you for the most part. And, you know, for me as a psychologist, again, I, I've sat with women, you know, going through some really rough times, you know, in those situations. But there are also women who, that just they never want to get married they never want to have kids they have almost like and i mean this in a in a loving fond way they have a a peter pan type of existence Mm -hmm. you know they they just want to have their dog they want to go to brunch they they make a lot of money and and they're they're quite happy they they don't want to give of themselves in the way that it it takes to be to be a wife to be a mom so I, i i don't want to you know deny that there are women for whom that actually works out
3: do you think that's a chemical imbalance, or is that just natural?
0: I don't I don't think it's a chemical imbalance. You know, I, I, I don't know what it is. But um, I just wanted to to just make make room for the fact that, it, while I do think it's true what Tim said for the most part, and that's definitely the majority of what I see as a psychologist, but there are women <laughs> that just do their own thing.
1: Maybe we would just be better off if, I don't know, you know, women had to wear red dresses and bonnets. Yeah. Stop <laughs> it. Well, <laughs> stuff. It's funny because, you know, you, so you've
2: sort of mentioned that being accepted to the rule and Lydia brought up this idea of the wall part of what's so unfortunate and really stultifying the discourse on basically everything is that people can use making like a prescriptive claim and a descriptive claim so by Lydia mentioning that there does seem to be this point at which it's going to be significantly more difficult for a woman to find a partner that she's saying that that's good and so because of that people are just reluctant to say that to young women They're reluctant to share the truth with them about what could possibly await them if they don't get married before a certain point of time. And I think that's really horrendous. I think that's a really horrible thing to do to young women. You should tell them the realistic possibilities for their life instead of trying to claim everyone can do everything and then having them end up miserable because they had completely unrealistic expectations because of you.
1: My prediction is millennial women will not admit it. This single millennial women, they're chasing their careers. Many of them are probably doing it due to to social pressures. Many of them are doing it because they really want to do it. And for that, I, nothing but respect. Of the women who are not being honest with themselves and are more concerned about social pressures than what they truly would want, maybe a family, I don't think they'll admit it. They'll be 40 and they'll say, nope, life's great. I've never been happier. Young women will see it. They'll be 45. I love my life. I'm single and I'm living it up in the big city. They're going to be 55. And they're going to say, you know, well, it has its charm. They're going to be 60 and they're going to go to the young people and say, I've made a terrible mistake. Don't make the same mm-hmm. mistake I did. Yep. But by that point, there's going to be a generation or two that believed the lies. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: Do you
3: guys think that there's such a thing as a soulmate? No. I've wondered this guys- because I think that being in the wrong relationship is worse than being single, personally, mm-hmm. from yes. my personal experience. Yes. And so yeah. I was looking for the soulmate. I spent mm-hmm. decades alone, lonely, you know, and uh, I don't know. I don't think personally, I, I just can't. I think a lot of people might be waiting for the one, and, and that's I wanna, a,
1: maybe a mistake. I want to, I want to, I want to give the gist of that famous uh, joke uh, that I've told before. Uh, there's, it's it's you, you know, you know the joke about the guy in the flood, and he prays to the Lord for yes, for, for savior. Yeah. So uh, I love this one, this one so much; it's good. There's a flood. The guy's in his house, and he's it, the, the news comes on and says, "Evacuate now!" And so he prays, "Dear Lord, you know I've been a faithful servant. Please save me from this flood." All of a sudden, a car pulls up, and they jump out, and they say, Quick, get in. We're getting out of here, but the flood gets too bad. And he goes, No, no, I'm not going. The Lord will save me. And they're like, You have to come with us, and he refuses. After a few hours, the waters have risen so high, he's reached the second floor of his house. And then once again, he prays, Oh, Lord, save me. I've been a you know faithful servant. And a boat pulls up to the window, and they're like, Quick, get in. We're getting out of here. <laughs> and the guy says, No, no, the Lord will save me. The waters keep rising, so he climbs out the window, goes on the roof. And then he says, Please, please, Lord, don't let me die and a helicopter comes and they're like they throw a rope down a rope ladder down quick climb the rope ladder and he goes no the lord will save me <laughs> and then they're like you have to and the helicopter leaves cuz he won't do it and the floodwaters rise up and he dies when he makes his way up to heaven he's you know before god and he says i don't understand i was i was a faithful servant that did everything and you let me die and he goes i sent you a car a boat and a helicopter <laughs> but the reason i tell that joke now is i think for you ian you're saying you, you, you were single for so long because you're trying to find the soulmate. Perhaps you've already met them and you just thought it was going to be something more than it really was. You assumed the soulmate would come down with wings floating down before you when it was just some, you know, I don't know, regular looking person who was like, what up? I thought that the soulmate was going to make me better, but what I
3: realized was I make myself better and so she comes. She Hmm. arrives, you know. However, the field of
2: dreams approach.
1: Hmm. If you build it, they will (laughs) (laughs)
0: come. You build yourself up. I'm
2: curious what you think of the idea of soulmates as a psychologist.
0: Yeah, I I don't really believe in that uh, nice. so much, you know, but, um, but yeah, you know, I, I do think that there's something to be said, you know, for, as you said, just focusing on yourself and, and trying to attract the right person. I think that our instant gratification society, whether it be the, you know, always the opportunity to, you know, swipe right and, you know, see more and, and constantly compare, it actually makes it harder to really fix on somebody and, you know, settle down on somebody. Like there've even been studies that have shown whether when it comes to like buying peanut butter, for example, if. you put a customer in an aisle with 40 different jars of peanut butter they just won't buy one (laughs) like they're just like geez you know do do, do i want the crunchy or do i want the organic or do i want that you know they they go on and on and i think the same thing can happen like with dating that we just feel like we have too many choices and it's hard to make one
1: there there was a i love these studies where the study is is uh, a trick they had people fill out a survey and in exchange you get a free t-shirt the study was actually the t-shirt
5: Mm. So these people
1: filled a form, and they and then with one group they said, "You get a free green T-shirt." Then with the other group, they said, "You get your choice between red, green, or blue." The the people that after that they were then asked how they felt about the the gift. The people who were given a choice were rated it more negatively than those who weren't. The people who got a free shirt were like, "Cool, free shirt." The people who got the choice said, "I made the wrong choice. I should have taken the blue one." Mm-hmm. So arranged marriage. Well, yeah, arranged
5: fun. marriage. Yeah, I wanna-
0: <laughs> You know, I have clients that have arranged marriages. Believe it or not, How it's does that work. It's, it's 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 I was I was surprised to see that it is not you know, like something that I, I thought would never happen, you know. But uh my, my practice is in New York and I'm not really seeing clients as much actively now as I used to in the past. But I mean, there's actually a lot of people from cultures where their parents are arranging marriages and it's not as bad as it sounds. Like their parents are not like forcing them to get married to anybody. It's more like their parents are just like lining up you <laughs> First dates for them, essentially, and I some of some of the Great. clients that I would have that didn't have that happening for them, they would be like, I kind of wish my parents would do that for me because <laughs> it, it tends to happen. Obviously, not with all, but like in in the Jewish communities and with the um, people who have come from India, yep. they they tend to have that happen more often. At least in just my colloquial op- observations, those
3: sound like blind dates. They're setting up blind, yeah, dates. basically
0: blind dates. But, and yeah,
3: but that's different than saying you're marrying this person now. You're, you you're
0: right. Yet. It's it's, it's arranged marriage opportunity. You know, like where, where they're setting up blind dates with somebody who's marriage-minded. But you're right. It's not like they're just saying, hey, go meet your husband.
2: And also, in most uh, arranged marriages, the person has the option to not marry. It's not like the parents go, you have to marry this person. Like, they pick someone, and then they get to know them. And then if they don't want to, they do get the, the oh. final say, yeah.
1: But I think a lot of Not all
2: the time, obviously. In certain cultures, that's not I think, the I I think a I think, lot
1: think. of cultures... They can just say no, but then the parents are like, "Don't do this." Like we've mm. we've worked hard at this. Cultural so pressure. So there, there, there's pressure for sure. Right. But it, but it used to be with arranged marriages where like the dad would go to the dad of the the daughter and be like. How much money do I get? We're doing this. Yes, dowries. <laughs> yeah. Dowries and land grants yeah. and things like that. That's why a lot of the royal families were doing it all. You 100%. Know? Mm-hmm.
4: Well, one of the things that I notice in that conversation about arranged marriage is that both parties are going into it with the understanding that they are dating for marriage. Mm-hmm. It's something we don't have anymore. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And and not only dating for marriage, right, but giving up this idea that there is a quote-unquote soulmate. I think it's a Mm -hmm. a really toxic and destructive idea that there's going to be someone who will come along and you'll just have an effortlessly good relationship. That's not going to be true about friendships or relationships, like any kind of relationships that you have. And so it makes sense that in our culture... We would think that because as you mentioned, we're all about instant gratification. So yes, of course I'm going to meet someone who just like bends to my will and everything, which people don't admit, but that's kind of what they say when they want a soulmate. I want, I want someone who isn't going to require that I change anything about myself or give anything to and who it's just like effortlessly pleasureful to be with. I noticed an
3: uptick in video games where you can get married in the video game. Hmm. That started like in 2008 oh, or so.
1: Oh dude, let's, let's, let's pull up this story, bro. This is weird stuff. Check out oh, the story oh. from that's the weird, Guardian. Yep tamagotchi kids oh could gosh. the future of parenthood be having virtual children Please in the no. Metaverse? no, no, we're doomed okay. i don't know i just part of me is like we can talk about the future and the dark future and the bright future and we can be like you know i wonder what people would experience but i'm telling you when you get to the point where you're just not having kids and you're making robo babies mm. and they're just like digital video game babies all right that's it i don't know man yeah a country that's below the replacement rate probably does not need this there's there's a game coming out called Stray, I think it is. Yeah, have you heard as a of it. No.
4: plays a cat. Yeah,
1: but all humans are dead.
4: Mm. Like, okay. yeah, you just have robots around. There's robots everywhere. Yeah.
1: Every, it's because like humans built robots and then the humans died off and now there's robots living everywhere. Cat-y I think friends robots, something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think it, that kind of feels like where we're going. You know, uh they're they're, they're they're building AI that's getting better and and stronger and faster, and it just really feels like the future is going to be AI entities.
3: One of the problems with this, and you brought up Seamus, which made me think about it, is that there's no resist or maybe not no resistance, but the lack of resistance with digital relationships, video game characters that are your wife in the game or your child in the game, they don't push back, like they don't come in and tell you what they feel. They don't, not really, and no, no one would really. I don't think anyone would want to play a game where where that's the case because <laughs> you got a real life to contend with. Um,
1: but it's definitely training people to expect that in mm-hmm. real life. Mm-hmm. I think. People do like video games that offer them adversity, but slightly less resistance. Mm -hmm. So we play video games for that dopamine release. People will will take up these Tamagotchi babies in the metaverse, and it will be just easy enough to where you feel rewarded, but you don't have to do as much work. You don't have to smell it.
4: That's right. (laughs) That's a big part of it.
5: Well, depending on if
1: they plug your brain in Uh, with Neuralink, you'll smell it all day. Ugh. What if they
3: made you wake up in the middle of the night eight times to feed this thing?
5: <laughs> feed <your dog>. <laughs> <laughs> to, to feed this
3: thing. Yeah. Like, I'm not a dad yet. Horrible. Obviously, not. You no, know. I'm talking you know about the so, robot baby. I
0: have to tell you, like waking up to feed my beautiful baby. Uh-oh, I mean, it. this. We were talking about this even before. Just, I actually said the smell. I said, but, 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 it, but it won't have the smell. Like, I, I need to sniff his hair, my little baby. You know, Aww. I just there's, I, 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 I don't understand like why, why people would you know want this, but. But, I mean, I one thing that comes to mind for me also is um, that there's been a, a, a decrease in people's sense of self, right? A lot of people have been coming to therapy, you know, saying, like, that they don't have as much of a sense of self. And psychologists have thought about it in terms of, you know, the... The decline of the family or decline of religion or, you know, social roles kind of, you know, breaking down. And a lot of people just don't have what they, they feel is like a, 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 sense of self. And so I wonder if on some level, you know, these virtual relationships and, you know, they're, they're seeking somebody else to, to kind of provide that for them. I don't, I don't know, but I definitely don't want a virtual baby. I want to smell mine. I want to I need a real one. Mm-hmm. see him in the yeah. middle of the night. Everything. Just, <laughs> just imagine what
1: it will be like when. People have like a 16-year-old virtual AI life form. And the AI is advanced to the point where it's almost indistinguishable or completely from a real person. And then people are like, it's a video game, so they don't really care. And then the the AI is begging, don't, don't leave me. Mom, no, I'm real. Or or, (laughs) like uh, Artificial Intelligence, the Spielberg film. Mm -hmm. Hold on, check this Mm -hmm. out. Right, right. What's going to happen is... These AI babies are going to grow up, and in, they're going to be 30 years old, and then the mi- millennial cat lady is going to be like, I bought you a body, and they're going to download the AI into uh-huh. the body, and he's going to be like, I'm a real boy. It's horrifying. And they'll run, is for yeah, like they'll <laughs> run for office. I not like this. will run for office. I think it's funny that that's <laughs> yes. what you think is the scariest part. They'll be politicians. Serious. I mean,
4: yes, or journalists.
3: I wonder if someone's going <laughs> to hack it and then have their digital – 20-year-old have a digital baby that is the 20-year-old as a baby and they're gonna be like "Ah," and they're gonna be like clap look how fun
2: this is to
1: hack the 30-year-old AI babies
2: are gonna have their own AI babies and you're gonna have AI grandchildren you're gonna have like people who don't allow the AI baby to age this terrifies me because if the power goes
3: out not that we can't build persistent power structure systems like nuclear batteries and things that can never go out but if there's some sort of disruption in the electric flow that these things disappear it would make an, an insanity. Like it would have a an entire populace of insanity of people that have lost their minds, their babies,
1: basically, and desperate
3: and, and you, enraged. So and
1: this, there's that show Upload, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they can upload mm-hmm. your consciousness, and in it, they also make AI babies. But the, the, there's laws in this in this version of the future where people who have their conscious uh, consciousness uploaded can't work because it would create labor shortages and stuff because people would never die, and you could do coding and other work in this digital reality. The crazy thing will be if we create this alternate virtual world, this metaverse with AI life forms, and then we start creating interoperability between virtual world and real world, like downloaded into a body and stuff, then civilization start to get, starts to get supplanted by fictional people. And then you've got just terrifying scenarios where there could be like AI terror attacks Where, like, one of these AI babies grows up and it's like, I don't care. They treat us like second class citizens, but Mm -hmm. I'm alive. And then they hack the grid and then blow up a real, you know, gas plant or something.
2: Or, like, your AI baby just takes your credit card info and gives it to China. Yep, yep. (laughs) It's it's a virus. It's literally just a virus. But no, I just, it's so sad because you can imagine, like, a a woman in her 50s or 60s who regrets not having a family, like, using this. The thought of it just makes me so sad. In a way, it's someone like, It's like maybe a
3: paraplegic or someone that lost the use of their legs using a neural net to regain function. Um, Maybe it could be an opportunity for people that missed the boat on, on having a baby to experience... But it is a form mm. of psychosis. I think but that those yeah. people
0: need to go be a good aunt or uncle mm. to, to their friends. babies. Yeah. like this yeah. reminds me of like the the sex dolls thing. You know, like yes. like the the real life like realistic sex dolls things. Like I don't know. I just uh, the whole thing honestly kind of creeps me out. Agreed. <laughs> and,
2: well, and so Ian, you made this point. And I think it's interesting because you said, "What about the people who missed the boat and they weren't able to have a child?" And my response is, the purpose of having a child is not for you. It's not for you to get to have the experience of raising a child. The purpose of raising a child is to bring a new life into the world and and care for it. And then the whole point of parenthood is for it to be about the child and not the parent. This totally flips that on its head. That's a
5: good Mm -hmm. point.
1: Tamagotchi kids. Fringe. Oh, man. In psychology, do you I guys... Think, I th- sorry, I think it was Matt Walsh. It may have been. It may have been Jesse Kelly. I think it was Matt Walsh who said, we already have those. They're called cats.
4: I believe that was, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, was yeah. that Matt? Matt. Sounds like both of them. <laughs> Either one of them. I know. Right? <laughs> right. Do you guys,
3: in the psychology, I don't know if it's industry or whatever, but like, do you work with like how AI is impacting human psychology or how internet and digital communications are impacting?
0: I'm sure some psychologists do, but I, I personally don't. Um, but in terms of psychology... Uh, I, w- I will say that uh, to your point, Seamus, about uh, parenting being about the child, Freud—and I'm, I'm not a big fan of everything Freud ever said <laughs> or did. Thank but, goodness. <laughs> but <laughs> one of one of the things that Freud said is that uh, women only really get over their vanity through motherhood. Hmm. So to your to your point, yeah. I mean. Having become a mom myself, I swear it's like I, I've I've known many women and men who have said the same thing. It's almost like you feel your heart growing bigger and bigger and bigger. Like you just can't get over how much you know love and care just pours out of you. Is it isn't he the guy
1: who also said that women wanted dongs?
0: Perhaps. It's like yes, part, of yeah, part of that's it. That's true. That true. They were envious. So that was that. So, yep, I just uh, one little quote he had that came to mind, that's all. Now <laughs> 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 that um,
2: we're like putting her on trial. Like, did he not say this as <laughs> yeah, well? No, no, no. I wasn't <laughs> saying it to describe no, no, it. No, no, I know, I know, I know. know
1: like, is he the yeah. same guy who said that thing? Uh, yeah, he, he said is, so. Is, so had some interesting, he had some other
2: interesting thoughts on motherhood that I won't get into.
3: Yeah. I wonder if the mother, the mother and the baby have like a sort of entanglement, quantum entanglement. Between the two of them energetically. Like you said, you felt like you were growing more as a person as this baby is also growing as a person. And I found with my mom, is purely anecdotal, but I stay up late. I'm up late at night. And so is she, I haven't, I went like a year without talking to her. I didn't know she was up late. Just turned out that we our, our sleep schedules were in line from across the country.
1: I don't know. Do you it. think that, Seamus, uh, that when, when a life is created part of the souls of the parents? make that soul where does that, that soul question. come from i don't think so. uh, from god that's it, so
2: it's interesting because this is something i sort of got into on in the show it is not like the soul does not come from the parents it, it comes from god that's what the catholic the- theology uh ah. says. but do you think if the soul, soul was like
3: the, was like latching on to a piece of matter that mm-hmm. the parents would create a piece of matter that has a similar latching structure that a similar soul would and I'm not sure what you mean. I guess it, it supposits that the soul is l- latching onto a specific DNA structure or a specific neural, you know, geometric pattern in my my hmm. brain that has a unique pattern that that soul is attracted to.
2: Well, it's, it's interesting because I, I believe that we're a body soul composite, and you know, the soul and the body are intimately tied together. And I'm not sure exactly how to answer that question. I have to to think about it. But I think just there is, I mean, I certainly believe there's a very beautiful and and special relationship between uh, a mother and child that we can't really understand fully with, like, reference to other relationships. People will try to sort of analogize the mother-child relationship to other things, especially in in the abortion debate, which we've gotten into a number of times. But it's just, like, there's something very special and unique and different about that relationship that would almost, like, bring harm to it to even try to
1: describe. It's like we can't quite touch it.
2: Yeah, I get the sense that there's something there.
3: I just don't have any. Yeah, any data. you know, you
1: know what I was thinking. Let me, let me, let me, let me pull this up right here. This other story. Would you give up having children to save the planet? Meet the couples who have. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I was thinking it's like it's really funny that the people who believe the world is overpopulated are the same people who believe that you should sterilize your kids, you mm-hmm. should not have kids, you should abort your kids, you should gorge yourself until you're on the verge of death because you can be healthy at any size. Mm. And I'm just like. Isn't it weird that all of these weird social things they advocate for just result in less people? Hmm. Or is it just like... That's what they want. Well,
2: also, I'm gonna be honest, and I don't know these people, but when I hear this, it generally strikes me as a post-hoc rationalization. I think people choose not to have children for lifestyle reasons, and then they'll say something like, it's for the environment, because exactly. they want to feel good about themselves. I don't think, I, I don't really know anyone who like really, really wanted to have kids, but went, I can't, it's for Mother Earth. Most people I know who say that probably weren't gonna have kids, I or think, have many kids anyway. I
1: think the issue is, these, these young millennial women who aren't having kids are, are femcells. You know, hmm. fem fem female incels or whatever. I mean, I guess incel works for women as well as it does for yeah. for men, and I think they justify it by saying they're they're choosing this lifestyle. It's like sour grapes. It's like, well, I didn't want to have a kid anyway. It's like maybe it just didn't work out for you, so you're, you you retreat to the defensive position of, well, I didn't want it. So uh,
0: yeah, I don't know because I also know some like attractive married millennials that are not having kids, like, and just have no desire to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, well,
1: for sure, I'm not saying that every instance of a woman yeah. not having kids is rats. And <laughs> yeah. No, I think that there there are probably many millennial women who it didn't work out for and then claim it was. So yeah. The problem yeah.
3: with this not having kids to save the planet narrative is that you might choose not to have a kid, unfortunately, but you would have been a phenomenal parent. And that kid could have grown up and made groundbreaking technology that could have made the world so much better. And then you could be a terrible parent that has 10 kids or one kid that ends up being a deviant and, and a hostile individual. So... It really doesn't matter how many. It
1: matters the quality. How many does matter, but not as much as the mm. quality of what exists. Yeah, but you, if you have, like, 50 babies, you're bound to have one good one, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Odds are, I guess. I, I don't it's know. an
0: interesting point about the, like, it's almost like a rationalization that you're talking about, you know, where if, suppose that you, you know, didn't want to have kids because you didn't want to... um give up that much of yourself and of your time. And, you know, then you would think like, okay, well, does that make me selfish? And then you would invert it by saying, no, no, I'm not selfish at all. I'm actually doing the world That's a right. big favor. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. I'm just actually, you know, being so nurturing here of the world by not having kids, you know? So I I don't know. I mean, unfortunately, I think that that may be true for some of them, but I honestly think it's unfortunately that there actually might genuinely be women that would normally have just wanted to have kids but they just can get brainwashed by the Hmm. idea that you know the world is a terrible place or you know that that the world cannot support those children and that makes me really sad. Yeah. Well let's take it to the yeah. dark
1: place I suppose. If you advocate for abortion you're less likely to have offspring. True. If you sterilize True. your kids you're less likely to have your genes persist beyond them. If you gorge yourself and you're very very unhealthy you're also less likely to have kids. You're going to be unhealthy You'll die and earlier. your genes will be removed from the future future gene pool. I went through from age 28 to
3: 38 to 24 I'm not having. Ki- I'm not bringing a kid into this hellhole, this hmm. earth that's just falling apart. No, no way. And it was. I started off saying it almost like a joke, and then I immediately started believing it. And I noticed people around me started saying it, and only in the last three or four years have I re- regained a will to live and a kind of a, a, a f- having faith that we can make it better, as hard as it is, and as dangerous and as destructive as things can be, we can make it better. And so I'm much more open to the idea. You know? Yeah. No,
2: that's a very good point. Because I think it says a lot about the state of a person Mm -hmm. based on what they believe. It says a lot less about the world and a lot more about the person. Yes, I'd given up on
3: reality. I was black-pilled. I I got way too much information on the Internet in 2006 about the military-industrial complex, Monsanto, the pharmaceutical companies, all the the lies, the media lies. And I was like, well, I mean, how could we ever dig
1: out of this? We're buried. You know, for for, for me, I actually... uh, I felt similar. I was like, you can't have kids because the, the, the climate and everything was bad. Until I got on the internet and started uh, diving into the deep rabbit holes of YouTube. And then I realized, because the earth is flat and actually on the back of yeah, a turtle, right. all of the climate yeah. change stuff doesn't matter. You should have as many like kids as you turtles, can. Yeah. I like turtles. When I was
0: 17, I actually... I actually begged a doctor to give me a hysterectomy I when do. I was. Whoa! 17. I've heard you a did? number yeah, of people say funny. similar I things. I, yeah. I I would love to hear why you did it. I did it because I was convinced that I never wanted to have you know children. I was just like I don't want to have to mess with birth control my whole life. Like just give me a
4: hysterectomy. Wow. And I am so thankful mm. that the doctor refused. So I didn't want a hysterectomy, but I wanted my tubes tied. When I was like 20. And the doctor was like, You are too young. And I was like, You're insane. I know exactly what I want. What are you talking about? And now, of course, I'm like, Oh, I'm 30. Holy crap. I really like to have kids. Let's go. Thank goodness that that doctor didn't yes. enable me. Wow. And how I look at yes. these doctors giving, like, you know, puberty blockers to kids, I'm like, Holy crap. It's so bad. It's bad. They're just like, You're too young. And I was like, Yeah, you know what? I was. I had five siblings, and I was like, I feel like I raised enough kids for my life. Mm-hmm. I'm good on that one. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, yeah, I feel like it's really important, and these hard times are going to make strong people. So well, so people so win so, win. what
1: changed for you?
4: You know, I
0: mean, I was only 17. That's you know crazy. what I yeah, mean? Yeah. So I, I think you know what what changed is, I mean, my my executive lobe m- matured, right? <laughs> <That's true>. You <laughs> know, that? like which you know doesn't have you're the executive lobe of your brain, like which doesn't finish growing until you're like 25. You know. I was also in a very difficult place in my life. I, I had a kind of a crazy childhood and everything. I just don't think I had a good template in my mind, you know, mm-hmm. for for what that would look like. And then, you know, just through maturing and discovering that I could have good relationships and that seeing happy families and realizing that family life could be a lot of fun, it it wasn't that big of a leap for me to be like, "Oh yes, motherhood." <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: It's it's wonderful that the doctor was actually concerned with you and your long-term interests rather than simply validating the choice you said you wanted to make at the time. I think it's very sad that as a society, affirmative care, affirmative care exactly, mm-hmm. we put so much emphasis on what a person says that they want in any particular moment that we don't even stop to think about their long-term well-being. And also if someone at 17 says I never, ever want to have children, not because I want to do X, Y, and Z, or I don't think I'm called to marriage, but I just don't want to bring life into this world. I think that's serious cause for concern for someone to say, like, hey, what's going on? Like, why do you feel that way? A person is revealing that that there is, as you mentioned, some kind of difficulty there that you were struggling with. And a a person should care when they hear that and
1: want to help intervene to lift the person, not give them surgeries. Take a look at this opening paragraph from this article. They say, Gwynn McKellen was 26 when she decided to get sterilized. It took the recycling consultant five years to find the appropriate doctor under the public health plan she was on, but she was determined. You know, my only response is... If you are predisposed to sterilizing yourself, well, then it's a self-solving problem for right. everyone else, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not saying to be mean. It's like if you don't want to have kids, your ideas die with you.
2: But here's the thing: I mean, even people with bad ideas can have good children, and, and we are literally below replacement right now. So it's actually bad for all of us when people. Okay, Seamus, have, have four kids. I think I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> That's my wow. Yeah, best. yeah. Of I, I yeah. want. I want. Look, I want to have as as many as possible Seven. once I'm married. Yeah, yeah. 50. I think. Look if. We're, I'm talking about. I'm like. I'm. Thinking I'm thinking. of being married to one Irish. woman. I think I'm going to be married to one woman. So this is interesting. <laughs> I don't. Do you know what
1: Irish twins are? No. Yes. I, I am I, an ad- Irish I'm, I'm Yes. No. <laughs> absolutely. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I very much know an Irish
2: twin. You know what I heard? I want to double check on this. Um, feel free to fact check this. But I heard that part of why it, it's generally the the stereotype that Irish people have many children. It's not just because you know we're Irish Catholics. It's because women are they're less likely to conceive when they're breastfeeding but for whatever reason irish women tend to be more likely to have a mutation where they still will conceive even while they are breastfeeding which is why really? you have irish twins and irish That'll triplets step. and irish babies who are born one after another so for the those chaos. that aren't familiar
1: the irish the twins, twins is basically <laughs> when the woman gets conceives it gets pregnant almost immediately after she gives birth so you actually have siblings who are not a year older than each other
4: yeah i was 13 months younger than my older sister so my parents were not messing around not quite irish not quite very close yeah very close (laughs) uh, but
1: it's like you'll you'll have two kids and they're it's like how old are you i'm 10 and you 10 oh you're twins well we're nine months 10 months apart it's like oh interesting not a year apart are there
3: is there data explaining why? No,
1: well, this
2: is... The, and this is also why I said fact. This is something I heard recently that I found interesting and that's why I'm issuing the caveat to fact check this. I just thought it was a very interesting theory. You know what we should do? Because, we but should, it is we a phenomenon, right? Like, we, people constantly say, well, when you breastfeed, you will not get pregnant. But I know... I actually know a number of, like, women who do have Irish twins who are Irish... Like, it's fascinating and that we call them Irish twins. I find that really interesting.
1: We should do exponential tax credits, uh, child tax credits.
4: Yeah, like... Mm.
1: So, like, the first kid is as X. The second kid is X plus Y. The third, you know, third kid is x plus y mm-hmm. squared or whatever. I the think prob-
0: Iceland did that. The, oh, r- Hungary Iceland? Did it. Did it? Hungry? Hungry? The yeah. problem Hungary. is
3: having yeah. kids that you don't take care of just for money because it's not for money. It's a bad, tax credit. You're not getting money. You're paying less in taxes. But like a bad parent, or whatever, that's vague. But like a parent that's that's vacant, that's off working and has like five kids and they don't Absolute instruct parent. them on what's yeah. good, and then the kids grow up and become villains. You know, that's a problem. I don't want to inc- encourage
1: that. But we're not giving you money. It's a tax credit. So you're keeping more of the money you earn. I just don't know if more is better. It's the quality of, of the
3: unit.
4: If you have more than one child, you need that money. You need a tax credit. You need to keep more of the money that you earn. In fact, they know that one of the problems that children face when they're in a large family is that their parents aren't able to earn quite as much. This is one of the reasons I wrote about this. This is why dementia is higher in parents who have more than three children because it's much more stressful to be able to work enough to give, for example, Mm. six children, like we're in my family, to be able to give them a stable home. And I still, to this day, don't understand how I was a single My family was a single-income home. My mother was a stay-at-home mother, and I had five siblings. It's incredible to me. Like, you cannot duplicate that in this day and age. You guys
3: did a lot of sustainability, right, at the house?
4: No, no. We did have five acres, and we had cows and chickens and goats and stuff, but we weren't like a green family. We just um, were, like, culturally sound. We went to church. We followed traditional values. We were homeschooled, and my mother stayed at home. It was very interesting.
1: Let's go to Super it Chats. Is time, yes. If you have not already, would you kindly smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, become a member at Timcast.com. If you want to support the work we are doing, you'll get access to those exclusive members-only shows we do Monday through Thursday. But now we're going to read your super chats. So smash that like button, get your super chats in. Let's see what y'all got to say. All right. Legamathagayan says Young Democrat male feminists losing support for feminism is a depressing reflection of the times. The supply chain issues have made getting rehypnol difficult for them, and suddenly they want trad wives and gender roles. Yikes. (laughs)
5: Maybe so.
1: Yeah, maybe. The the mind-altering chemicals courtesy of China aren't coming in, huh? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. John Kirsten says, Tim, the whole double standard and self-censorship ideas you talk about is Herbert Marcuse's idea of repressive tolerance. Oh yes, we we uh, we talked about that a little bit before the show. Do you want to
0: explain? Yeah, yeah. So I was uh, listening to the conversations that you guys had a couple nights ago about um, why you know maybe just saying that there's a double standard in the press, like Tim was saying. Like I'm just sick of saying it. Like can we just stop because we're just saying it and it's stupid to just keep saying it. And I was saying that in an abusive relationship, it's actually really important to keep naming and describing and saying what the abuse is Mm -hmm. because otherwise we actually can go into denial about it or we can start normalizing it. And so even if we feel powerless to fight it, which Tim was um, telling me as well, that what he wants is for people to not just you know quit talking about it, but for people to start doing something about it, which I think is great. Um, but I was saying like, even if you don't feel like you're ready to do something about it, you should, I think not, you know, quit talking about it because when we quit talking about something, then we lose touch with the reality of that thing and we need to stay focused on it. So actually with my book, Nervous Energy, Harness the Power of Your Anxiety, the whole idea there is that you take that awareness when you sense an injustice and that something is wrong or you're having an emotion about it and you use that emotion to fuel behavior to make a change. So when you're, like, getting upset that there's this double standard, you would then say to yourself, like, okay, well, what are five things that I can do to, you know, fight this double standard? And Tim was talking about his parallel economy idea, which I think is very intriguing.
1: Yeah, you know, so we were talking and I I said, what's the point of telling everyone over and over again there's a double standard we can all plainly see and experience? And the solution is, well, we should be investing in, utilizing alternate infrastructures, alternative infrastructures. So when big tech doesn't ban Antifa, but they do ban some random guys that learn to code, we need to start just saying, we get it. We're in, a, we're in an abusive relationship, and it's time to leave. So we'll make our own platforms. And that's what's happening. That's why we're using Rumble cloud infrastructure for the website. We use Rumble for our members-only section, and we've got some other things in the works uh, that I that you know I, I, I frequently mention. We can't talk about until we do it. For security reasons, but we've got stuff we're working on. That's
3: really interesting about speaking up about injustice and continuing to, because in some countries, you'd be killed for speaking up, and we have the First Amendment, and that's like a form of exercising that, and like a duty to continue to exercise that.
0: Right, which is, I have to say, my next blog is going to be about the mental health benefits of free speech. Ooh. So if anybody oh, wants to get okay. that blog sent to them, you can go to makeachange.us, makeachange.us, and give me your email, and I will send you my blog when it comes out, on um, mental health benefits right. of free
1: speech. We got a super chat here. I, I am honored. It's from Joe Biden. Oh my! And it oh my says, "Seamus's hair looks like it smells good." <laughs> oh no! Come on, man! I'll look well, you know that's old Joe, huh? That's old Joe always mm. sniffing But is there? I mean,
2: it's it's not a high compliment. Is there anyone whose hair he doesn't think looks like it smells no, good? Well, that's a good point. Uh,
1: he be smelling. Let me hair. smell that
5: hair, man. Come on, man. What are you doing,
1: man? <laughs> Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, "Watched what is a woman so good, yet so sad too." Seamus made a funny joke about, uh, about it. Oh yeah, I was like the. Oh, Ian mentioned he was watching it before the show. I was like, bro, you're not going
2: to believe the plot twist. Like when they find out what a woman is, I was like, oh my gosh! The twist at the end is, is amazing. Turns Matt, out Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh one. is a woman. Yeah, turns yeah. out Matt. Turns out Matt Walsh is like. I guess I'm a woman. Yeah. <laughs> he was a woman the whole time.
1: Yeah. No prop. It's I'm actually really, props the, the, to him. It was. Uh, it really was very good. The whole movie is just about his gender transition. Yeah. What is <laughs> a woman? That's he's like bad. just
2: slowly okay. looks more the and twist. more like a woman throughout the yeah, film. And at the end, weird. he's like, I'm a woman.
1: There are funny bits in there, though. You got to see it. Yeah. He's like, is my son my daughter? Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to spoil it, though, so. It is really good. All right. Ola says, Luke, where are you? I have questions about Stephen Banderas and Poland. Poland and Ukraine, how connected are they? I.e., is it better to be a Nazi just to oppose Russia? P.S. What is Woman was great. Luke, I think, is going to be here tomorrow. Solid. Yeah, I don't All know. Right. We're talking we'll about see. the Azov. Good question. Yep, that's and right. no, I don't
3: think it's better to be a Nazi. to do, Well, there, there's a I funny don't.
1: meme, and it says, "You never ask a man his salar- salary. You never ask a woman her age. And you never ask the Azov as Battalion what this symbol means, and it's the <laughs> black sun." <laughs> <laughs> All right, Flo says, "Any misogynistic transphobic speech and coded rhetoric espoused here will be monitored and recorded. You should learn to tone down your views. <laughs> believe women, trans lives matter. We're building a better world. You can't stop us. Simply accept it. Thank you for the fifty dollars, good sir."
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Eyes keen. Correction, Shimcast. A word can mean whatever you want it to mean, except what it actually means. All oh, my gosh. I get that's a very good. That's actually very true. Joe Biden back with another super chat. He says, anyone seen my nurse? My pony orange fell off my Jupiter chair and the grilled oh, cheese people no. attacked the saloon. Come on, man. No, not
4: the grilled cheese people.
1: The grilled cheese. Is that something he said? That sounds great. I, I look no, like yeah. no malarkey there. <laughs> no malarkey. <laughs> no
4: malarkey. What were they
1: thinking with that slogan? No malarkey. There was a, there was a, like, he's really old. So let's, let's roll with it.
2: There was, um, one, one of the few funny, more recent Onion articles was like, Joe Biden appeals to 1930s tough guys
1: with his new slogan, no malarkey.
4: Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> a side of salt says, for what is an assault weapon? Get in touch with Langley Outdoors Academy, Reno May Guns and Gadgets, and the Firearms Policy Coalition. They'd be great resources. I'm really excited for this one to do like a deep dive on the history of the Second Amendment. You do, like, an intro on, like, what the Founding Fathers actually uh, expected and and what they meant, and you can take a look at, I mean, there's quotes from the Founding Fathers where they're like, the government may become tyrannical. You better give everyone guns. Yeah, well, it's not just guns. Arms also include armor. Ah, yes. Yeah. Armament included cannons and privateers and all of that crazy stuff.
0: You know, I loved what Carrie Sheffield said on your show also a couple of days ago when she talked about how guns for women actually are the great equalizer. They that are. They, they, they give us a, an extra layer of protection that helps us a lot. There
1: is a viral video out of Brazil right. where a guy walks up to a group of women and tries robbing them, and then a woman just pulls out her gun. And
3: that is a powerful <gasps> video. You've That's seen it. In
1: broad daylight. Yeah. Yep. That's There's nice. so many videos from Brazil like that. But yeah, man, woman, women women don't have to be worried when they're packing.
4: That's right.
1: And the well, men I mean, don't have to be won't. worried about the women when they're packing. They, yeah, exactly. Defend, yeah. I mean, you still have to be a little worried. You still have to worry for others. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I worry substantially less. Mm-hmm. It's like you're going out. Stay out of dark alleys. Oh, you're armed? Well, you know, stay out of them anyway. <laughs> but Even odds Go hang out in the dark alley. You're <laughs> <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> oh this. Your
5: aim is good.
1: John Kirsten says, Ian was rare form last night double mopping yes. and the I, I elongated myself adding an inch and a half had me dying Ian never the double mopping thing was, was oh yeah I was trying to what time
3: stamp was that and I wanted to watch that yeah, I, don't know. I felt like I embodied the double mopper that's right like really pushing the
1: mops you know <laughs> sure alright alright that was all Tyler last night
4: that's great that's hilarious so good
1: T. Craft says, due to this wave of feminism, my son, 17 years old, has stated that he isn't getting married and saving the money to have a surrogate to become a single dad.
5: Oof. Oh. Wow, that's so sad. So
1: yeah. Nah, kids need moms and dads, yo.
2: Well, and look, I mean, like, when you were 17, you wanted a hysterectomy. Don't assume, I mean, don't assume that this is how he's always going to feel.
0: True. Yeah. That's right. Maybe he'll save up that money and he'll end up buying an engagement ring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You
2: never <laughs> know. You've got to do the, the handyman. Handy oh, no, 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 don't, don't spoil it. We're oh, working okay. on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I've yeah, noticed yeah, when people yeah,
3: yeah. say, I'm never going to blank, uh, that's usually not real. <laughs> It's true, right? Because <laughs> how could you know? How yeah, could you know? Going, well, yeah. you know,
0: in psychology, we have something called the need-fear dilemma, which is the thing that we, all, we need the most. Like, lonely people, like, they crave companionship, but they also fear it the most as well. Like, the need-fear dilemma, the things we need are often the things we fear. Yeah, I agree.
1: Strahan says, the billboards are a good stick a, is, are good to stick a finger to the elite news class. You need to reach everyday people. They are only reachable via word of mouth. Sponsor Timcast in the park where your show is on a projector for foot traffic.
4: That sounds fun.
1: Yeah? yeah I'm down. That's great. How about this? Anybody who's watching who wants to put one on put on one of those events, do it.
4: Let's do it. Yeah.
1: And then you get one of those the, those 20-foot projector screens. How much do those things cost? It's not like it, I'm not much, I don't want to say right? it's cheap, but you need a you need a good projector and a like PA. on the wall of a building. Oh yeah, you could do that too. Yeah. But I don't they
4: can make rules, and then that. so
1: basically, everyone in every jurisdiction for the summer can do. uh Oh, July is Maga month.
4: That's right.
1: So how about for Maga month, you guys rent a you know space in a park to do a showing? But don't just do our show. Maybe do a screening of What Is a Woman? I just yeah. pulled up a twenty foot projector, two hundred and twenty bucks. Oh. Okay, and not everybody can afford that. But you know, if you're interested, Proud that'd budget. be really really cool. Yeah. and I and I wouldn't want to just be like promote our show. I mean, have our show have other shows. Maybe do like an all-day thing where you'll play like various documentaries, yeah, films, community. Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Marty. This is the big thing, community building. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about doing skate competitions, blading, rollerblading, scooting, bike, all that stuff, so that we can tell people buy some of this stuff for your kids, get your kids a skateboard, get them rollerblades, get them a scooter, bring them onto the park where we're going to have burgers and hang out and everyone gets to talk. Community building is so important. Yes. All right. King Tesseract says, So you guys watch anime occasionally? Have you watched TTGL? Seamus might like it because it's basically the Gospel of St. Simon Peter written by Michael Bay on LSD. It's an anime version of the wow. Gospels. Fair warning, it was aimed at 14-year-old Japanese boys. Oh, wow. What is TTGL? Tangan Tapa Gurin Lagan. Oh, is that what it is? Uh, that's what that's it looks like, yeah. Is it really the Gospel <laughs> of St. Simon Peter? I don't know.
5: Mm.
4: Curious now.
1: Ian Kinney says you should have Warren Thomas Farrell on the show he initially came to prominence in the 1970s as a supporter of second wave feminism now fights for men and is the author Warren of The Boy Crosses I, I am him. familiar yeah. I watched a video a long time ago where this guy was trying to go to a um, a, 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 a it was like a, a lecture on male suicides and leftists and feminists blocked the doors and this guy was trying to go and they wouldn't let him in and they're like why are you coming here this guy's a, a bigot and he's like I want to know why my friend killed himself mm-hmm. And they were like, get out of here, you Nazi. And it was crazy stuff. These people are nuts, man. Sad stuff. Susie Anna says, after my youngest, along with male classmates, were daily forced to sit legs crossed like a girl. And the female sat with their legs spread like boys. The next semester, I pulled my six boys from public school. You know what the funniest thing about the man spreading stuff was? They were like... I just felt like a bunch of dudes out of themselves as having having small balls or something. Because mm. I was like, dude, I don't like crossing my legs like that because it hurts my junk. I, oh, and I then hate- there are all these guys who are like, just sit with your legs crossed. And I'm like, men sit with their legs crossed with their ankle on their knee. Women sit with their legs crossed with knee over knee.
0: It looks weird to me when I see a man crossing his legs like a woman. Very effeminate. Yeah.
1: I mean... I love doing it
3: every once in a while. You get into that like bohemian artist look where like they have a cigarette hanging out of their fingers and they're all tight and twisted.
1: Well, yeah. Like I just said, some men are outing themselves and having but, small junk, I guess. Yeah,
3: you got to move back and get your
1: junk lower than your le- – like below your legs if you're going to twist and tuck. Uh,
5: <laughs> I don't I know, dude. I just think it
1: was really funny that they did an ad campaign in subways and billboards. and like, no manspreading. And it was just like this idea of manspreading is not a real thing. Like, there's videos of women, and they're, like, cowering as the man's pushing his legs. Like, <laughs> he's so pressed. It's like his man's legs are spread. So there was femme bagging became a thing. Yeah. Women putting their bags on the chairs. Yes.
4: Dude, so I think time. someone yes. made a
1: video of women pressing their boobs against a guy, and he got really mad.
4: He like, got was mad?
1: A, yeah, it was a gag video. It was like, <laughs> how dare you? Boob smush me. <laughs> <laughs> Get those things out of here. And she's like, right. I can't. And uh. like, they're on my chest. And he's like, yeah, well, my balls are in my legs. Flo says conservatives have for too long bragged about their socioeconomic successes, culture, and their privilege to defend their property, all at the expense of black and trans lives. It's time that we Democrats change the conversation and act. Wow, Flo, thank you for another $50. Yeah, interesting. We're, we'll more, we're more than happy to read all of those. I don't know if that's meant to be sarcastic or a joke or whatever. It's like very generic, but, you know, I'll take your money to read yeah, it. We
4: do need to change the conversation, not the yeah, way they change want change the conversation.
1: To. Huh? All right what do we got here Colin Hinrichs says Me Too has taught us that consent can be revoked once regret is established keep rocking guys and gals I got something from basic training back in 99 I'm going to send y'all cool Sam Good says Seamus do you believe husband and wife are allowed to have sex for fun uh Well, husband and wife should be uh, having
2: sex with one another. I don't believe that you should do anything which precludes the possibility of having a child. But it's not as if every single time people have sex, they're going to be sitting there thinking like we are making a child right now. And that's our what about pulling out. Yeah. Oh, yes. We're also against that. Really? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, wow. I don't like the Catholic Church is against it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because it prevents the final end of the, the sexual act. Right, It's, it's for the, the purposes of unity and procreation. And so you're preventing... The, you're, you're getting the pleasure out of it without fulfilling the purpose.
1: Mm. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, Tim, being called right-wing is not a smear. Yes, it is. It's called poisoning the well. The idea is to create a negative interpretation of what right-wing means, accuse your opponents of being that thing with a buzz term that many on the right are willing to accept. That way, when people are like, you know what, I guess I am a conservative, you've poisoned the well on behalf of the person smearing you. Then the brainwashed NPC liberals or the default liberals who hear right-wing equals bad see you say, I guess I am. And then they go, okay, you're bad then. So when they call you right-wing, they're doing it to otherize you so it's more difficult for you to reach regular people. But for people who are fine with it, you're right, You know they don't care. Let's say Raksha Jenkins says, Ian, you are overbashed and underappreciated. I appreciate your unique... And likely neurodivergent view on things. I get what it's like when you perceive weird peripheral connections between things that others don't. Yeah. I think of ideas as geometric shapes in a
3: three-dimensional sphere that are all kind of fitting into each other like a Rubik's Cube. So when people bring up an
1: idea that I don't understand, I still see the shape of it and how it fits into the conversation. Wandering Mage says, so we all doing MAGA month in July, right guys? Serious point. Title Nine makes dating at college as a minefield. Keep in mind that three most common places people meet their spouses is school, work, and church. Church. Yep.
4: Church.
1: July is MAGA month. Uh, Dude, we are going to be making burgers and dogs every weekend.
4: We better make some before the show on the 4th. We got Portillo's. Yeah, we do. I think the best
3: social media dating app is YouTube, personally, because if you make videos and you put yourself, your real self, out there, people see it, and then the people that you would get along with contact you, and you just take it seriously. I'm really excited for Magamoth. I,
4: am too. I can't do
3: it. I what can't do it. I feel like it's provoking. It's attempting to provoke what? people. What? It's the Fourth of July, bro. Oh, I'm celebrating In that. Independence
4: Day, that, yeah. and that's the, that's
3: the point. But calling it, it's too like Republican. It's what too like
1: political for me. I, I I disagree. I think we're gonna we're gonna change all of our background photos to American flags. Yes. It's Fourth of July. I'm yeah. Make America great, man. Right now, absolutely. I it. Make America point. great, Ian Crossland, and then. That's magic. Don't you want an excuse I to just it. have burgers every weekend? Yes. That's all it really is. It's like, yo, America, woo, let's get burgers. Lettuce wrap? Yeah, if we wrap it in lettuce, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I won't no do the, bread we'll do it. lettuce yeah. wrap.
2: Yeah, Biden's going to come out uh, against MAGA Month by making beef so expensive that no one can <laughs> celebrate it. There.
1: Yeah, we got snacks for the house just now, and it was like... 250 so bucks. Much money. Bean burgers. It was just like salamis and cheese and it was insanely expensive. Yeah. Well, I remember a few years ago we'd go to the grocery store and fill up the cart for 300 bucks. Yep. Then one day like la- the last year we went to the supermarket cart was half full and it was 300 something bucks. Mm-hmm. Did you see Jamie Diamond? He's the...
3: Diamond. he's Diamond? Diamond. Thank yeah. you. Jamie Diamond. He said that storm clouds... He said that people are about to face an economic hurricane that is un- incomprehensible. Yeah. Yeah.
5: It's
4: Gas prices.
1: Dude, the diesel shortages. Forget oh, the price shortage. of diesel. Oh. When the trucker is like, "I'd like to bring the food to your store, but I have no gas." But Jamie Dimon also said
3: crypto is a joke, and then he bought a bunch. And then he so bought a much. bunch. Uh. <laughs>
1: That's what I love when these like these progressive and these lefties are like, "Crypto's a scam," and I'm like, all of these big banks and institutions are buying it up while telling you it's a scam. I mean, that says something, doesn't Such. it? Did you not learn anything from 2008? Hmm. Come on. All right, all right. Let's get some more super chats in here. Okay, where are we at? Bomb Globe says, "Give me your fluids, women." I don't think that's, a, that's that. I don't think that pickup line is going to work. No, it's trade me your fluids. Try it. Try
4: it. Just try or that. Trade too. with me. Trade with <laughs> try me. Try trading fluids and see how Let's that trade. goes. Yeah.
1: John Hansen says, "What are the chances of getting John Stossel on?" Oh, Ian, man. check out Rob Braxman, internet privacy guy. That's right up your alley. Uh, John Stossel is always welcome on the show. He's amazing. He
4: is, but he's also very old. I don't he know if he can do it. Somewhat old. I have talked to his people, and he's very busy and also yeah. very old. That's a deadly combination. He'll love that you guys are saying that about him. Yeah, it, yeah. Oh, I that know. He's old. Great. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna love it. I've, I've been on his show.
1: He had
3: me. Out. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah,
4: yeah, he's great.
1: To the moon says, have you ever had a baked potato? They're pretty sexy. <laughs>
4: it's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, Seamus, let's say you.
1: <laughs> what? Why does <is> every <laughs> potato thing have to be turned back to
2: me? That's the like, funny I'm thing sorry. is
1: you're the one who started it. No, I'm not. You yes. guys
2: literally are. Hey, you real go- talk. Do you we prefer t- sweet t- potato or regular? Oh, potato? uh, regular potatoes. I'm a regular potato man.
1: Yes. Irish propaganda. That's right. Are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> Bro, I'm already sweet potatoes. enough. It's yeah. <laughs> true, yeah. We, we had an idea for the vlog for a bit where... Uh, It's a background gag where just like Seamus uses potatoes as currency, so it's not like directly addressed in the show. You just like you'll see him in the background, and a pizza guy will be at the door. While you'll see someone talking in the foreground, in the background, (laughs) Seamus will take a pizza from the pizza guy and then hand him a potato but then the pizza guy will take out two smaller potatoes as change and give it to him and take the big potato
2: I <laughs> only did that once and they want it to be like
1: a regular thing it's ridiculous yeah. you know what we can do too? favorite pizza with potatoes once the pizza yeah. place will be like Patty's Pizza so it'll <laughs> yeah. be like yes Irish pizza <laughs> so place. first it's of all I
2: would never ever pay for food made by Irish people <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> it's like are you that's crazy <laughs> uh,
1: uh, that, that's nuts dude Shepherd's Pie is legit corned beef man mm, every now and again yeah. yeah. Shepherd's yeah. delicious yeah. Maybe yeah. it's so good yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember when I went to Ireland and I was just like, I went to a restaurant and they were like, what have you be having? And I was like, oh, come on. Irish. Food. I'm an American. And they were like a of Guinness and a shepherd's pine I was like, yes, please. Thank of you. <laughs> but then I was informed that I was in Northern Ireland, so it didn't count. No, it didn't. Oh. No, yeah, <laughs> no it the didn't yeah, <laughs> They're like, you have to go to Dublin. Yeah. And I was like, that is, nah, okay, I accept that, I guess. Although the people up there didn't, you know, they were cool with it. Martin Edgar says, my daughter said her mom told her first marriage is for love. The second is for money. Oof. Her mom and I got married in 1990 and divorced in 96. She's been married four times. Wow. No, but I think that one actually is is a better saying. You know why? The first time you, the, the first time is for love. It means you mean it. And at that point, if you're getting married again, you're just doing it because you're trying to exploit it. That's fair. It. Mm-hmm. That's a
0: good yeah. point. Yeah, but why would you be getting married again if your first marriage was for love? Like, why well, why, mm. why would that marriage end? I don't understand. <laughs> I think because, yeah.
3: like, the Greeks have divided into eight different types of love, and sometimes people feel one or a few of them, but right. not. it's not holistic. Yeah. And when you find that holistic love, usually lasts.
0: Yeah, but mm. if you're going to get married for love, the whole point is, like, you don't want to ever have to say goodbye. Mm. So, right. yeah. I don't know.
1: Pedro Henrique says, Tim, I am a sucker for your takes. I'm a right-wing libertarian that would love to neighbor settlements with your socialist compound. Thank you for bringing Ian some logical sense and kudos to him to get you. Uh, West Virginia, man, that's the, this is the, this is the dream. Right. Everybody's like Texas and I'm like, nah. Although I think it's fair to say that those who are moving to Texas and Florida are fighting a good fight. Yes. You're, you're changing, you know, these are, these are, Texas is turning purple. Florida has been purple, and if you move there and you pull back, you're you're helping secure those locations, so I can respect that. Moth Moniker says, could you have Elon Musk on TimCast and also Thunderfoot? Have them on the podcast for a couple hours. Now that now is the time for Philip to roast Musk in front of the world. Have them at the same time together. Yeah, I wish. Thunderfoot, sure. Um, Elon. Oh, Another fingers dreams. crossed. Yeah. I, I do want to mention, though, we got Starlink. So I've been on the waitlist for Starlink for like a year. Then they launched Starving, Starving, Starlink... Starvink. Starlink. That's crazy. Starlink Bad. for RV. That's why I said that merged them on accident. The So the RV version is instant. We got it right away. They shipped it as soon as I ordered it. 184 megabits down, 5 megabits up, 82 millisecond latency. We're
3: going to have to figure out how to make Starlink uh, satellites out of metamaterials that are see-through so that they're more defensible to Chinese attack there's an article. So the, the the issue is... Then they won't clog with, up the sky.
1: With five megabits up, we would not be able to do the show unless we dropped it down to like 480, 480p. And then we'd be streaming, I think, like 700k, and that would be possible. It's an option. If we're on the road and we want it, like, so Porkfest, this big libertarian thing in New Hampshire, we're not going to be making it there, but we were considering it. The challenge was, how do you get internet in the middle of nowhere? Now that we have Starlink... We'd be able to do a lower quality broadcast using Starlink, so that would be cool. So we can be in the middle of a desert and do a show.
0: That's really cool.
1: Yeah. So I'm glad we got Starlink. This is exactly what I needed it for, for the mobile studio. And uh, it's good to have, just as, as, as an alternative. I mean, we could go to the desert on the, in the van,
3: open up the side of the van, flash lights on us sitting in the desert, and record us like with the desert in the background.
1: Yes. That'd,
4: that'd be, be awesome. great.
5: Yeah.
3: I want to do that'd a show. Safe. like We could play a live show
1: like that, too. That'd be fun, Yeah. Words Are Power says, Have y'all heard of a, quote, girlfriend experience? It's something that sex workers offer to mimic a relationship with a person for a set period of time. I think it's terrible that people are only getting cheap imitations of the real thing. I'm sure it ain't cheap. Probably costs a lot of money. Yeah. But no, totally agreed. Very sad. But, you know, people... The funny thing is you assume it's going to be like snuggling and having breakfast, when in reality it's like yelling at you about (laughs) leaving your shirt on the floor again. It's like you kicked your shoes off and you threw your socks on the floor. I swear, like, you know, throughout throughout my house, there are socks just everywhere.
4: I believe it. Because I'll take my socks off and just throw them. (laughs) I think there's like a pair of shoes and socks underneath the table. There's shoes up here, I know. (laughs) That's
1: hilarious. No, 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 I I was thinking the
2: exact same thing. Like, wouldn't it be hilarious if it was just like, you're (laughs) fighting all the time? (laughs) I I looked around my room and there was
3: clothes laying everywhere. I was like, I'm starting to look like Tim's house. (laughs) 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 Remedy this, (laughs) Ian.
4: No,
1: my house is actually clean because, you know, it was was funny. The other day, I brought up uh, so Allison is my girlfriend and she was mountain biking and so I ate bacon dipped in cheese sauce yes. for dinner. And then I mentioned that and she started laughing her ass off. Cause like when she's around, I have like grilled chicken breast with fresh vegetables. And then when she's not, I just dip bacon and cheese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that sounds like a really typical man thing to do. It's like, well, I can't cook. So you can cook. I, You're a great I, cook. I, yeah. But I don't have time. And so I'm just like I, dipping bacon and cheese is really good. It's keto. It's wrong. keto, but it was delicious. And I made the cheese sauce. Oh, okay. I made it the previous night. It was, uh, you know, because I know how to make cheese sauce. We just melt cheese. So, cheese, cream, and then uh, a little cornstarch to thicken it up and get a nice, you know, queso going. But it was a couple different kinds of cheese garlic. It's a little spice in it. A little spice. Like fresh garlic in there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. yeah. I'm
0: getting hungry. It yeah, sounds sounds good. <laughs> it was really good.
1: And then the next day, out. I'm looking in the fridge and there's like raw chicken breast, and I'm like, well, I'm not cooking that. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't even know where to begin. And there's like peppers and vegetables and broccoli, and then I just grabbed the cheese sauce, microwaved it, and then we have this prepackaged bacon that Libby oh, Evans yeah. swears by. She, like, this is so good. And then I just peeled it open and was like dipping it in the cheese. I was, I was looking for chips to have just chips, and, not, and I didn't have any, so I was like, All right, I guess I'll just dip bacon in this.
3: You ever make potato chips? That's pretty fun. Yeah, just slice yeah, them yeah, yeah, bacon and fry them
1: up. Oh, you can fry them too. Yeah, and you can bake tortilla tortilla chips too. That's a, that's a lot of fun. All right, where were we? Um... Nate Garland says my wife and I met and dated in high school and then got married at 21 both 31 now we're both sinners saved by grace so we understand we will fail each other 10 years and 3 kids later praise God Hmm. there you go good for you God bless you Shamim Islam says language is the culprit marriage is the real relationship relationships before marriage are now an excuse to have sex resulting in perverse instant, instant what is it instant instantiation instantiation love that word which then has to be resolved by a divorce sex goggles are real Mm -hmm. i believe that having kids is more of a commitment than marriage what
3: what, am i off on that but like there's
1: there's reasons for marriage that it it greatly involves children Mm -hmm.
2: yeah no i i I hear that i I think well i think people well it's funny because on the one hand i have met people like i knew someone who had a kid with someone and i was like oh when you guys get married he's like no it's too much of a commitment i was like you have a child with like (laughs) that. what are you talking about like you have brought a human into the world with this person yeah so people yeah but i i do believe uh i do believe marriage is a very very uh serious commitment as well people do need to take it extremely seriously it's still death it's still death to you part you know you're going to be with that person till that you have to care like you have a responsibility to your children right but, you know, your children can sort of move away and go other places. Like, you are going
1: to be with that spouse forever if you're doing it right. Gaming with Spoon says, just wanted to say thank you, Tim. Finally caved and watched Star Trek because you wouldn't stop talking about it. And <laughs> absolutely loving it. Keep on fighting the fight, you guys. Give me hope that we can get through. Star Trek The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine. Yo, Deep Space Nine, man. In the Pale Moonlight, the episode where, I'm going to spoil it because it's just amazing and you got to watch it. Where they basically the Federation stages a false flag attack to force one of their adversaries into a war on their side. Brutal. What a, what a great show. Next generation's legit. All the new Star Trek stuff is just like. Ugh. I'll give. I'll, I'll. I'll. try watching the new one. I don't know what's called. What's called Strange New World or something. Meh. Meh. Prequels. Come on. Give me an advance. Oh, bring the sucks. story. Come on. All right. Skater Owned solution says Tim. How can we get the TimCast boards previously mentioned? Want to have them to give away at a contest we are doing. Uh, send your address to UFO at gmail.com yes. and we will have some Step on Snack and Find Out skateboards sent to you.
4: And if you would be so kind, title it very clearly what you're emailing about. Tell me you're asking for a Step on Snack board. Uh,
1: not only that, here's I'll tell, you what, I'll tell you what else we'll do. If you have a skate shop, And you want some free boards to sell or give away or do whatever, uh, send us your info. We've sent skate shops, Timcast skateboards before. We have two graphics. One just says Timcast on it and one says step on snack and find out. So we'll send you a lot. Mm. I think we sent like 50 to a shop and it's free. Like we'll give them to you. For us, it's marketing. For you, you can sell it and make money and support your shop. So I think it's a really, really good idea. Like the idea that we're going to have a bunch of young people with like boards that rep, you know, the show and the website. The skate shops basically are getting a donation that allows them to make money to keep going. Uh And not only that, the, with the boards we send to you, you can sell them for whatever you want. So that means if you've got kids who are like, I can't afford a board, it's no sweat off your back to be like, take this one for free, dude. Keep skating. So that's what we hope to do. That's really, I'm really excited about that. All right. Let's see. We'll grab one more. Jill, please, says, I'm a mother of four. I have a good friend who will never have children due to mental health reasons. She is an aunt to my children, and that is enough for her. Well, I respect that. That's cool. Mm -hmm. All right, everybody, if you haven't already, please smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends if you really do like it, and head over to timcast.com. Sign up to become a member. In the top right of the screen, you'll see it. Help support our work directly so that we can keep hiring people, we can do more shows, we can make more shows. And you can follow the show at Timcast IRL on Instagram and basically anywhere else. But follow us on Instagram. We have clips every day. You can follow me at Timcast. Dr. Chloe, do you want to shout anything out?
0: Yeah, makeachange.us. And makeachange.us is where you can get information on my socials and my blog on the mental health benefits of free speech. And my book, Nervous Energy Harness the Power of Your Anxiety. And my other book, Dr. Chloe's Ten Commandments of Dating. Very cool.
2: Fantastic. Seamus Coughlin. FreedomTunes.com, ladies and gentlemen. We just launched a membership portion for five bucks a month. You get an extra animated video every week. We're also going to be uploading behind-the-scenes stuff, such as Tim and I improving some of the videos we've improved together. Really cool stuff. Uh, I really hope you enjoy it, and we're going to start uploads to that next week. There's already five videos, uh, five cartoons there waiting, and a bunch of other videos. So thank you very much, and have a great weekend. We're about to wrap. We're not doing an after show. I had a burning question about your book, what's the simplest way in
3: in an elevator pitch style to, to convert or redirect your nervous energy?
0: Mm-hmm. So when you feel yourself feeling anxious, you just ask yourself, what could be the healthy action that this anxiety is trying to stimulate me to take? Because the healthy function of anxiety is to stimulate preparation behaviors. Mm. So when you feel anxious, you, you say to yourself, well, what could I do right now that would help to improve my current or future situation? But awesome. I, I go into a lot more detail in the book.
4: Thank
3: you. <laughs> yes. Fall Media and if you want. to catch you later.
4: This book sounds awesome. I'm really looking forward to reading it. And I hope that you're willing to leave a copy or two for us, for sure. I feel like anxiety is something that's not addressed enough. It's something left over from when we were evolving to keep us on our toes and keep us from being eaten, which is a very useful strategy when there are saber-toothed tigers around. Not so much when we're, like, living and working in cubicles and stuff. Anyway, I'm looking forward to reading it. Thank you very much for joining us. You guys may follow me on Twitter and Minds.com at Sarah as well as Sarah Patch, let's stop Me.
1: Check out ChickenCityLive.com If you would like to watch Our Chicken City As they do chicken stuff
4: Like sleep And
1: you can I Like sleep right now <laughs> And you can give right, right now we have The Chicken Lullaby set up So every $100 in Super Chats After 8pm It plays a very soothing Lullaby for the chickens We researched this Chickens like classical music. So we did Brahms lullaby with strings and everything. Uh, Check it out. It's a lot of fun to just watch. But people go there, hang out, and and chat. So they keep the chat going. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. We will be back next week. We'll see y'all then.
4: Bye,
1: guys. Okay, round two.
3: Name something that's not boring.
1: Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh?
3: Ah.